Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 28 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. How's it going, April? It is fabulous. I have so much energy tonight and it is, I don't know, it's going to be a crazy show today. I'm thinking so. I just started back to work today, so I'm actually tired for the first time in a while. I know, I didn't hear from you like all day and I was like, where's James? I'm like, oh yeah, he's working. Oh. Ah. Yeah. First day back for kids, although it was weird because we're doing this weird like A day, B day and virtual kids. So we have some kids on A days, some kids on B days, and then these virtual kids. So it's and they make it so complicated. Oh, oh my word. It's, oh, it's COVID. This whole thing has screwed up everything. And then, so I, I had a class with like four kids. I had one class that was supposed to have one kid in it. They weren't there. That was awesome. I had like two and a half hours of just hanging out. So. <laughs> How are your snakes? Oh, uh, okay. So babies are great. Good. I am loving those rubber boas. Oh, Awesome. I took them out the the other night and just like stared at them. It's one of those things where like, this is mine. I can't believe I own these. That's so, so cool. I'm so glad. Yay. Uh, That's always oh, fun. I love those. And I've already talked to somebody. I'm in line to get uh, black Russian sand boas later this year. Oh can't wait goodness. for that. Look at yeah. you. Look at you go. Yeah, two species of snakes that I get to put in the cooler at 50 degrees and not feed for three months. <laughs> Which is so weird, but so It's cool. horrifying. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm, telling you I'm, I'm fearing October getting here and having to put a snake that I've wanted my entire life into a wine cooler. Oh, that's so funny, though. Oh, that's good. It's good stuff. It's, 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 you gotta do what you gotta do, man. It is scary. But I do own now, I own boas from every continent that boas are found on. Well, that is that is something noteworthy. I know I've got I've got <laughs> I've got rosy well I got Mexican rosy boas and rubber boas so that's North America. I got rainbow boas and Colombian boas that's South America. I've got Kenyan sand boas so I'm on Africa. I got Indian sand boas so I got Asia covered. So I'm I have good. just like Africa and Asia. That's like it. Yes, yeah, because you're well in the corn snakes. That's North America, but North you America. know. Yeah. Okay. So I got three. <laughs> but, you need something from South America. <laughs> yeah. You I have geckos from there. Does there that count? That counts. Oh, and then I have Australia. Look, I'm covering the what world. The See, look. I didn't even know. <laughs> I've got Australia. I've got some pythons that are Australian. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, so, you do. <laughs> I've got I've got every continent except for Europe because for all of you that live in Europe, I apologize, but there's nothing cool that I want from your continent. I can't think of anything either. I know there's Nothing. cool stuff there, but I I'm can't sure there think is, but it's not it. it's not cooler than the other continents we already named. I just I just have so much stuff from the Indonesia area that I'm kind of that takes over everything. See, most of your stuff comes from a very small part of the world. Yeah, I know. Well, before we get talking way okay. too much longer, right, let's well, before, introduce no, our yet. wonderful. No, no, why? No. Why can't I introduce? Because I'm because I'm not going to forget our sponsors. Oh. Oh. Can we do it while, while we get our guest on? Okay, go ahead and have her on, then I'll do it. 
Okay, so our guest tonight is Dominique DeFalco. Say hello. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I know her from a wonderful Facebook group besides on Joe's podcast, where I actually first was introduced to you. Um, we have the Female Herpers and Keepers Facebook group, which you started. So I'm super excited about that. We'll talk about that more. But first, let's hear about our sponsors. Yes, because they're very important. We have our buddy Robert at Lone Star Reptile Racks. They just had their show in Corpus Christi, which ties into our second one. But uh, Lone Star Reptile Racks, if you need a high-quality rack, contact our buddy Robert. He sold forget how many he sold it was a ton he sold like 18 racks plus like six orders that he took with him uh, and he does most of the herp shows right and he does our other sponsor which is the herps reptile shows which was that, that was the corpus christi herps show um i was looking up the other dates for the shows coming up because i didn't want they're gonna up. have one in memphis in march you is better be there yeah i'm pretty sure it's march early okay. march I do, well, I do want to go ahead. So Herps Reptile Shows, those are our other sponsors. And I love Sean and Lori. They're two of the best people on earth. Uh, their next show, they have a little break. So they actually get to go home for a couple of weeks and quit being on the road because they travel more than anyone I know. Uh, their next show is Kansas City, Missouri, August 22nd and 23rd. Then Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the August 29th and 30th. And then New Orleans, September 12th and 13th, which as long as um, if our state can get our shit together and this COVID doesn't kill us, we'll have that show. And then the Conroe show, if you, if you are going to make it to any of these shows, the Conroe show, September 19th and 20th, that is the one. That's their biggest show. The Conroe show is awesome. It's, uh, it's in Conroe, Texas. April, you have to come to that at some point. Okay. I'll try to make it work. It's a really, it's a really, really good show, and I look forward to that. And it's always a good time for me to go hang out with all our buddies. Like we talked about on the on the last podcast with our five million people we had on the last podcast. My favorite part of the show isn't so much buying anything or selling stuff, but is one hundred percent hanging out with people. That is that is why I go to shows. So like online shows just don't do it for me. Uh, yeah, I didn't go to any of the online shows that they've had. I didn't either. I do sell animals online, but not at online shows. Yeah, I sell online because Morph Market is amazing. That's really changed the way I think most people sell stuff. Yes, um, I agree. But, if you are thinking about selling your animals, sell it on Morph Market. There's a free plug for you, Morph Market. Yeah. Or if you're thinking about buying animals, go in there and buy my animals on Morph Market. Yeah, my Sumatran short tails will be up. You can get on the waiting list. It's up to five people already. And I only have 10 babies and I'm keeping a lot. So you better get on that list. And all five of them probably won't pay. So you could be one of the next ones. Because that's <laughs> how true. Witty, that's My how people are actually work. pretty good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. But yeah, like the online shows, I just like, if I'm going to buy something, I'm at the point now where I kind of know who I'm going to buy from. So an online show doesn't really work for me. Yeah. So it's if, when I was younger, I would have been like, oh, yeah. And I would just gone bought some random thing off of there because I could. Yeah. I did that with the auctions, like, what, five, six years ago when those were really big? Yeah, I remember all those. And I'd see them and I was like, nah, I don't, I, that was kind of in my, I'm, I need to start focusing phase. And now That's I have when I was, I was still kind of interested in, in ball pythons. I was definitely, I was in the mindset like, oh, you get such a good deal. Look at all these jeans for such a good deal. I definitely was that person at one time. It was a short period of time, but I was that person. So just letting you know. So before we move on again, uh, our sponsors, Lone Star Reptile Racks. 
awesome, awesome Brax, and Robert is an amazing person. And the Herps Reptile Shows, if you live in, was it Colorado, Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, Louisiana, and soon to be Alabama, and Memphis area in Tennessee. Like the Mid-South, basically? Yeah, they're spreading. <laughs> it's Herps. It's, it's kind of like herpes. It's spreading. So... <laughs> funny i didn't think about that that's funny look it's fun what's funny is every time sean puts a post up in these areas where they're gonna have a show one person goes did y'all think about your name before you named it <laughs> yes you're original dude no one else has hinted that herps looks like herpes we get it Jesus Christ. Uh, anyways those are our jokes sponsors. not funny anymore no, no it lost humor around forever Oh man. So I want to talk about this female Facebook group before no. like before the no. end of the group. James, no. I'm gonna put penis, you on mute. I don't want to talk about it. I'm gonna put you on James, mute. James, are you scared of girls? Oh, maybe he is, are you? Oh, uh, that makes sense. I, I look I live in a house with a daughter, a wife. We got a female puppy that drives us nuts. I ain't afraid of girls. I'm tired of them, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, Dominique, what was your inspiration to start this group? Yeah, so um, I've been in the hobby for a little over two years now, and uh, it says, like, in the description of the group, it's that, like, I'm so grateful for the men in the hobby who have done great things in promoting a lot of uh, reptile keeping. You're welcome. I didn't say you. Um, <laughs> but but it does seem to be pretty often that female voices are uh, are silenced a little bit more or are less likely to be heard in a lot of the groups or a lot of the circles. So it started with just a conversation with a couple friends about ways that we could promote female keeping and uh, female breeders. And the Facebook group started just about a month ago, and we reached 300 members this week. Yay. So it's, it's pretty great. It's been really awesome. I think we've had some great conversations. Um, I do want to stress that I know you mentioned it, that it's a she monster man hatings club. <laughs> um, it's not, that's my birthday party, but the group <laughs> itself is actually, um, it's been, it's been really beneficial to have a lot of great conversations and we're very, very careful as an admin team to make sure that we're not promoting, uh, putting down male keepers. Um, we have rules I don't regarding... even think I haven't even really seen like male keepers really coming up. It's really just yeah. like, hey, look, this is what I keep and this is what I do. Isn't this cool? And then everyone kind of is like supportive about it. Yeah, it's been great. We've had a couple conversations come up regarding like conversations with male keepers mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and like how how male keepers often interact with female keepers, especially at reptile shows. Um, but all in all, it's been like really fantastic conversations that have been very beneficial and like very informative for new people in the hobby. So I've been really proud of it. I'm very grateful for the platform to um, be promoting it. So thank you very much. Um, and I think it's going to be doing some really great things in the future. That's yeah. surprising. I really thought it was just going to be virtual pillow fights and talking about heavy flows. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was, I was wrong. <laughs> Don't I you just want to like punch nice. people through like a phone sometimes? Bring it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say, I will say it was very helpful. My wife is in that group and she posted this week because we started school and we're super busy and she's got reptiles in her classroom and she wanted some care guides for her classroom and some people she posted in there and got a bajillion replies right away about places to find great care guides and great information. And so she was mm -hmm. extremely happy about that. That made her, that really took a lot of stress off of her trying to get that together for her classroom along with everything else. 
Yeah, it's been it's been really awesome, and I think it is really nice because currently, with it being such a small group, um, people are really willing and really excited to respond and answer questions. And we have like such a variety of keepers in this group; it's insane. We've got people from all over the U.S. and Canada. I think our farthest reaching right now is South Africa. And it's this awesome, badass woman who, whose name is escaping me, um, who like re, um, what does she do? She finds snakes in the wild that are like venomous snakes at people's houses and stuff. And she brings them to different locations to like get them away from like people. And I'm like, holy shit, you're such a badass. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> and I'm over here like playing with my crested gecko. Like, look at this face. <laughs> I think it's neat because when it comes to women in the hobby, there's only really two names that ever get thrown out. And it tends to be Tracy Barker or Kathy Love and then, mm-hmm. and, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it'd be really nice to see a shift because there's definitely female keepers out there that have been doing it for a long time and that have done a lot of stuff, but they don't tend mm-hmm. to get the, the push like some of the male keepers do. Yeah, and it's interesting too, and I mentioned this briefly on Joe's podcast, so I won't go like too in-depth, um, but keeping in general – uh, and animal care in general is a very female dominated space. If you look at like animal rescues, zookeeping, that kind of work. But for some reason that hasn't really translated over into the reptile hobby. So that's where the difference is. But majority of zookeepers are female, majority of women, uh, majority of sanctuaries and such are run by women. But it's something about these animals that just are, is really geared towards men in general. Well, and it stems, creepy it's, and crawly. And- yeah, and it stems mm-hmm. from when someone pictures a reptile keeper, they don't picture a woman. They picture a guy covered in tattoos with a mohawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which is a very, very small fraction of the people that actually keep any of these animals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think cool. that, that group is an awesome thing. I'm super excited for it. So if you are of the female gender, um, go to Female Herpers and Keepers uh, on Facebook. Look that up. Search it. It'll pop up for you. Then you can request to join. April, did you, just, did you just assume someone's gender? No. Well, I James, it was, it's actually was... important to bring up because we also include non-binary members. It's really important yep. to the admin team. So it's in our rules that if you are... Uh, female or non-binary you can specify your uh, preferred pronouns in the questions so don't worry we got it all covered i'm non-binary because i can't read computer code very well Mm -hmm. ones and zeros confuse me (laughs) you got jokes today don't you james oh you got jokes so sticking (laughs) sticking with facebook uh i want to go with our question that we asked this week yeah which was if you could meet one person in the hobby who would it be and why and we got a lot lot of really good i mean we got some smart ass answers because my dad answered so we'll ignore that i saw that (laughs) (laughs) like that has to be james dad (laughs) my dad was like did you see i commented he's like will people find that funny or will they just get annoyed i was like i don't know it's fine (laughs) i skimmed over and just moved along so as long as people just move along they should be okay (laughs) it's it's not the first time he's commented on these things and it's not like he's listening to the podcast he just sees the stuff on the page he's like i'm gonna comment he's retired and he has way too much time on his hands now so now he can read crap on facebook uh let's see let's look let's look let's look there are a lot of really good ones uh there were some that threw out names that made me realize i don't know herpetologist at all because like uh, let's see. Justin Smith said Vladimir. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name. It's Russian. 
Because he has more hands-on experience with Condros just in sheer numbers than anyone else, he had a lot of info that I don't think got passed along before he passed away, unfortunately. Uh, of course, Justin likes his weird green snakes on a stick. Dude, I realize that <laughs> I know, like, no one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's names. I'm like, I, I don't know these people. Uh, just, we're ignorant. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brendan Frisella said, John Courtney Smith. This man has an understanding of energy that blows my mind. It's not just about how he understands his lighting, but also his knowledge on nutrition and how it can be symbiotic with UV and enrichment. I don't know. I don't know who that is. I feel like I should, but I don't. That's you asked a question and you just didn't look up the answers before you started talking? Well, no, I'm not going to look up their people. It's their people. <laughs> it's their job to tell me why they want to know. I'm not doing more work. <laughs> uh, but you, that, that's it. Look, this is not for work. Uh, oh, <laughs> La, La, La Visa Ratliff says, I'm new to this, so my answer is, isn't overly insightful, but she put two great ones. She put Emily from Snake Discovery, who I have met, who is an awesome person, uh, and Clint from Clint's Reptiles, who I'd like to meet. He was at, I think, Tenley. I just never actually talked to him. Um, those are two good mm-hmm. ones, especially if you go mm-hmm. on YouTube. Those are two really great ones that on YouTube. They don't do it. In my mind, they have not done anything wrong, nothing that I disagree with. I think, and they bring a whole different group of people to the hobby than, say, we do or any of the podcast, our buddies that are on podcasts. Like, that's not, those aren't really the people that we bring into the hobby. Clinton, Emily are pure and bring in good people. Mm-hmm. They're great like people. The young people's too. The young <clears throat> anytime like i have friends that have kids and they ask me about reptiles and stuff i always send them to those pages because they're you know pg they're you know kid friendly pages and they have a lot of good information so that's what that- those are both things that i watched when i started getting into the hobby just a couple of years ago i watched right. both of them a lot yeah they're really good because they talk about all different kinds of stuff it's not like my page i just focus on short tails like who cares about that but they talk about everything so that's fun and they they talk about it at such a level that is so accessible for everyone to listen to you don't have to worry about using big scientific names or hearing words that you don't necessarily understand just coming into the hobby they break stuff down so nice but even now and there's something new that they post i'm like oh i don't know that animal i'm gonna watch it and i know i'll understand and it's well, really refreshing too like how excited that they always are yes, yes. and so like it's and just, upbeat they're always upbeat yeah like mm-hmm. sometimes you just forget like i got into snakes because snakes are fun and sometimes you forget that and so that they kind of remind me of that like well, oh it's eating it's like it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like this true un, it's this unjaded view on the hobby whereas a lot of us yeah. get pretty jaded on stuff and we but clint reminds me like if you were to take uh like mr rogers bill Nye, the science <laughs> guy and steve Irwin, and put them into one person <laughs> i feel like that's clint i think that's yeah. pretty accurate <laughs> I feel like he should be putting on shoes at the beginning of his episode and changing his sweater. Oh my god, that's so funny. He's he's just he's a really awesome one to watch. Uh Jason Ropp said Vin Russo or Ralp, I forget I, I suck at names, but Vin Russo, who's if you're a Boa person, you know Vin Russo because he's been around forever. And he also wrote literally wrote the book on Boas. So I didn't introduce myself, but I was like standing right by his booth and Matt Minatolo was talking to him and I was like witnessing the conversation, but I didn't actually introduce that had, myself. That had to be an awesome conversation. <laughs> I don't think it was actually. Was it not? Was it like what they were drinking? Yeah, it was like a bullshitting conversation, I believe. I, like, I can see where the, I can see where that conversation could either go really in depth on really awesome stuff or this is the beer I drank last night and I really <clears> like it. 
I mean, it was it was in, <laughs> in between that, but I, I don't. It wasn't like, oh man, this is awesome. This is great. So, <laughs> uh, our buddy Travis Weinman said he'd like to meet Ryan Young, who we're gonna talk about later because that was one of the things that got posted. But Ryan Young has been doing a lot lately and breeding a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but Travis said he's been hugely successful with so many species. He's also stayed down to earth about it and willing to talk to people and help them. So I just think it would be cool to be able to chat with him face to face. And I know that's a big thing for Travis. He and I talk. Um, when people work with these species that are not as familiar for everybody, they're a little oddball. Maybe they're not being bred as often. I, I agree with Travis that it's important they share the information. There's a lot of people that will breed stuff and then hold that information to themselves. And I don't think that's how this should be at all. I think if, if you have bred something that other people are also trying to breed, put as much information out there, try and get everybody doing it. You know, it can only help. So yeah, well, some people don't think that way. So that is true. Uh, <laughs> Scott Borden also agreed with Travis. He thinks Ryan would be a great one. Also the Barkers. We talked about Tracy earlier. That's um, mine. You with the Barkers? Mm -hmm. Tracy. Well, you've talked to Tracy though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She and texted me the other day and I geeked out. I was like, oh, Tracy's name just popped up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I freaked out. <laughs> It's just, it's like so the first time I met her, it's just, they, they, for, for us, it's, it's, it's literally for a very small itty bitty population of people that these people seem like rock stars mm -hmm. and, but they're not like when you meet them, you realize, Oh shit, they're, they're just, just us. They've just been doing it longer. Yeah, just <laughs> and, people. Yeah. Tra Tracy is awesome. Like I said, she's at the, does the Conroe shows. And when I met her, I was like, Oh my God, it's Tracy Barker. Then I talked to her. I was like, Oh, it's Tracy Barker. Uh, uh, I really want to meet her. Scott Borden said Marco Shea, which I, I'm telling you, I want to interview Marco Shea. I, I 100% know how you feel about Marco Shea. I love, Mar I love Marco Shea. <laughs> Y'all are both too young. She, Dominique's definitely too young to know Marco Shea. She really knows him more than I do. I know the name for sure, but I think it's because I heard you talk about him. Yeah, that's okay. all it is. So you're on my level then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Y'all suck. Uh, Steven Lemmingson said Warren Booth. I'd like to get Warren Booth on here. He's very yeah. interesting. And he knows a lot of really cool stuff about mm -hmm. boas and locales. And he, I mean... He's super into locale stuff. And, I, and I, I'm not a locale person at all. That drives me nuts. I can't do it. But I am always very impressed with people that are and mm -hmm. like, can tell you what side of a mountain something came from by what the eye looks like. Like that, that's amazing to me. I just mm -hmm. don't have that kind of patience. Uh, yeah, I could see you not having that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> Victor said Robert Applegate. Robert Applegate's been around. That's another one's been around forever. So when you like colubrids, that, I mean, he's been around forever breeding all sorts of them. Um, I was trying to see what there were some other, like Scott Iver, just a whole list of people that I, yeah, I, I fucking don't know. Harry Green, Wolfgang, Wooster, Fred Krauss, Jonathan. Like, I definitely feel like there's PhDs there that I probably, like, I right? I <laughs> got the scientists coming out here. Um, <sighs> let's see. I'm trying to go down the list. Oh, Ryan Cox said he would like to, oh, that he met two of the people, which was Burke. Uh, our, our buddy Eric Burke and Brian Cusco. So the next person he wants to meet is Nick Mutton. That's I can see that. Nick uh, Mutton's cool. Just have a good conversation with. Maybe, you, you can have a conversation with him for hours, hours. Yeah. But that's the same. Like if you call him, you have a conversation. You need to reserve like four hours every day. <laughs> <laughs> just have, have you ever talked to yeah. Harlan Wall? Uh uh. Oh um, same way. I love Harlan. Yeah, but you if he sends you a message saying, Hey, can you call me? You're like, Okay, Saturday afternoon is Harlan. We're gonna talk. <laughs> <laughs> He's been like incredibly helpful with that. He is a fountain of knowledge that I just cannot understand. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Miguel Villa said Dan Mil- Dan Maleri, which I can see Dan Maleri would be a cool one. Just yeah. I know you would like to talk to Dan Maleri because he's been to the part of the earth that you want to know about. I have talked to Dan before. That's right. You're, you're from out there. so Yeah, I've met him, and he's great too, and he is the nicest guy, and he'll talk to anyone no matter like who the heck you are. He doesn't care. And, you know, you just talk about the snakes, really. That's, that's the greatest thing about all of these people that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. We have, like, snakes in common. So just start asking about snakes and people are going to start talking. Mm-hmm. You come randomly come up to me and ask me about short tails. You will get me talking. So. <laughs> uh, and then Someone put me on that list, too. Where? Who the heck did that? Who put you I'm, on the list? I can't remember. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i did see how oh, there you are okay darren did darren said he, cho- he uh he chose kara 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 it's kara kara yeah um which is a name i've heard y'all say a million times when it comes to bloods but then he listed like every other known blood keeper so bloods are amazing. <laughs> or a short tail or whatever it is because i can't i i always have a hard time telling which one's which i know you're like i just you know they're fat short yeah, like, like oh, I that's a short fat one fat. right they're not really short and fat because there's some that are like six foot long Yep, some are long and fat. That's what she said. They're adorable. <laughs> so Brandon Millichamp said, uh, Mark D. Shirts. So if you've ever listened to uh, Squamates podcast, he's one of the guys on there. Cool. Uh, he's a herpetologist. Um, and that was who Brandon said you want to talk to. Him. So it was, interesting, it was an interesting list. And then there were some that were like generic, like Ryan Gosler said, anyone that works with crocodilians. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Are we talking about keepers, people that keep them? Are we talking about like zookeepers? Are we talking about researchers? Are we talking he said, about he said anyone? So I guess all of the above then. So, huh? so that random kid that went to Hamburg and got the alligator that Owen saw, that guy, that's who he wants to talk to. That kid who just picked up a couple. I, I, I can make that. He happen. can chat to me. I I, uh, I work with them at the rescue I work with, and um, one bit me right through the finger in the middle of an education program. So if he wants to hear about that. So I've taken totally ruined my manicure. <laughs> I've, I've been attacked by, by them before. I know what it's like. It sucks. It's a great time. That does not sound like a good time, guys. And I'm going to leave you to that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's dicks. By, lear- by a good time, I mean learning experience. It's a learning yeah. experience. It's not like my dad. My dad's like, that's a learning experience. Like, uh, I learned we're not several lost. Things. We're on an adventure. I, I, learned, <laughs> I learned never turn your back on one. Even if it looks like it's not going to move, they will, <laughs> and, and they will grab you. Yeah, and they're uh, faster than you. Uh, so oh. I learned that, and I learned that even if one is on land and it's a four foot drop into a concrete pool, he's not afraid to jump at you and fall into that concrete pool. <laughs> Good to know. You can run Good really fast. Know. You can run really, really fast when a Nile crocodile is coming after you. Just There's like, just some things in life I don't want to experience. I think that's one of them, honestly. Uh, I experienced it. I'm good. <laughs> I put it on my Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting fact about me. <laughs> this is like two truths and a lie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, funny. <laughs> I don't know if you, like, if someone finds that cool, it could go either way. Like, that, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It it's like, it's, it's a mixed bag. I know you guys talked about it on your episode with, um, with your wife, but I was listening to that and <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, hey, April, I get it. Like, <laughs> you know, someone. Yep. Like, you definitely filter through very quickly. 
Or that person who like messages you like, oh, you like snakes? I'm like, yeah, just a little bit. And they're like, yeah, my sister's got a ball python. It's terrifying. And I'm like, Ugh. okay, yeah. I mean, I have ball pythons too. I try to keep it hidden from public. But uh, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, cool. Like I was texting this guy the other day and I was like, yeah, I've got a bunch of snakes. And he's like, oh, cool. I have three. And I was like, oh, I have nine. And he stopped responding. I met Terrell because we had snakes, and we're like, oh, shit, there's, I know someone who has more snakes than me? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was the one that had more snakes than him. So that was like six years ago. That was a long time ago. Great story. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Next. All right. So now that gets us through our question, which was a good question. Yeah, it was a really good question. That you came from you, really Abel. pulled through with all the answers. I know. Man, Look at that. I did something. Like, those answers came quick too. I did not expect that many answers like back to back to back. I know y'all were blowing up my phone, man. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, and then also we had the post from our listeners and we had some really cool stuff from our listeners this week. Uh, Jason posted an article and I want to read the whole title cause I don't want to get the title wrong. Cause it's, it says solved a mystery. That's been puzzling scientists since 1852 bizarre giraffe necked reptile hunted underwater. And, uh, it, it is this long, long-necked reptile. And for a long time, they did like when they first discovered, they didn't know if it was like a pterosaur, like a pterodactyl, which it's most definitely not. It basically looks like a long-necked crocodile. And by long, I mean like, uh, was it like a third of its body? No, like half of its body is, it had like a 10-foot neck. That's crazy. Um, so it was a super long neck on like a 20-foot, so almost a half. Well, but there was tail also. So yeah, it was like a third of its body was neck. Or half its body. Whatever it was. Y'all do math. I'm not doing math. That'd be terrifying. It, the pictures of it make it look less terrifying. And <laughs> yeah, it more, looks really dumb. Yeah, and, and more, like, <laughs> more like, what the hell happened to this thing? Oh, good. Like, it looks like Nessie got run over by a car. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like someone took an alligator and then oh, grabbed its man. head. And I held the body down and just pulled, and now you yeah, got it's like Play-Doh. Neck. You just keep yeah. going with it. <laughs> like you feel like it's just like you should be able to squish it down and pull it out. Like it looks like a toy, but it was a very cool article I read. Um, like I said, for a long time they, they didn't know what it was, but this huge long neck only has thirteen vertebrae, which is very similar to like giraffes. Giraffes have a huge neck, but they have the same number of vertebrae as humans, which is seven. Yeah. So that that giant neck, it's seven vertebrae. Uh, so yeah, this giant neck uh, reptile, not dinosaur, reptile, uh, had only 13 vertebrae in its neck. Um, now, one thing I did wonder, so they found two, what they said are two different species. They found a small one and the larger one. And when they looked at the bones, they found growth rings, and they were able to tell that the, so they first thought maybe the smaller ones might be babies. But when they mm-hmm. looked at the growth rings, they realized that they weren't babies. Those were actually full-grown adults. Uh, the large ones were also full-grown adults, so they believed they were two different species feeding on two different prey items. And my only question, I didn't really talk about there, is what if they're the same species and they're all, like a lot of the reptiles we see nowadays where you have very large females and very small males? Yeah, that was my first thought too. And so that was kind of, I'm like, they don't, they don't talk about it in there, but I, I wonder if that's the case. Now, I mean, granted, in lizards, it's not nearly as drastic as it is in, like, some snakes where the size difference is very, very different. Um, but I still think it would be worth a look, if they haven't looked at that yet already, that if maybe it was male-female and not two different species living at the same time, looking kind of the same. But they say that the smaller one would have eaten crustaceans and, like, crabs, and the bigger one would have eaten larger 
larger prey and therefore they didn't compete with each other but they're they're both really freaking weird and it makes me think that they <laughs> might have been the same thing not two different species just because of how weird they are so i'm looking at the pictures and they do it's really goofy funny. as hell isn't it yeah they're a little like yeah it's like when they're you ask a kid picture thing it's like when you ask a kid to draw an alligator and then it ends up looking like <laughs> that and you ha- and you have to say oh that's adorable oh, that's so good but it's not because <laughs> the neck is 10 foot long you're like what the fuck happened to that <laughs> That's what this thing looks like. Uh, like it's all snaggletooth. I don't. <clears throat> oh. I told you, it looks like Nessie got hit by a car. <laughs> it does. The snaggletooth was in the the CT scan of the skull too, though. Yes. Like that's where that came from. But. So, but like I said, it doesn't talk about. But I, I, I part of me would think maybe it's just sexual dimorphism, not two different species. So. Mm-hmm. That was my thought on it. It was a really cool article, and I appreciate that article because. Uh, I, we get several dinosaur or dinosaur type articles, even though this is a reptile, not a dinosaur. And those of you out there that don't know the difference, they are different. Uh, pterosaurs, the flying pterodactyls you see in Jurassic Park, not dinosaurs. Those are actually flying reptiles. Uh, one big difference is that the legs on a reptile come out and down, whereas on a dinosaur, they come straight down. So when you picture like, you know, Littlefoot from uh, Lamb for Time, oh, and his legs, and his legs are right underneath his body, or a T Rex with his goofy little arms and his legs directly underneath his body. Those are dinosaurs. But then when you picture like um, easiest thing to think is like a Komodo dragon. When you see a Komodo dragon walking, and the legs come out and then down. Mm-hmm. Those would be reptiles. So you're prehistoric thank you so much james (laughs) i know that's what i'm here for but what about snakes they don't even have legs shut up so moving (laughs) on uh and then he doesn't have an answer (laughs) he's not ready he's not ready (laughs) april and i are just gonna like beat up on james the whole finally finally (laughs) i teach i teach teenagers yeah i ain't got nothing (laughs) that's probably true actually okay so travis travis wyman just tried to confuse the shit out of us with what he gave us so they were great articles don't get me wrong travis i know you're like what the hell they were great articles but look school just started i'm not reading these scientific articles i tried to read like just the summaries and holy crap but they were good one was on highly efficient knockout of a squid pigmentation gene yeah if that's your thing go read that that's that that was a good article thanks for that one travis and then the other one was, which I did think was really cool, was about the Tuatara genome. But I cheated, and I knew that the Her- Herpetoculture Network had posted an article, or well, the magazine had posted an article online that covered that same thing, but in like layman's terms, so I could understand it. So I went over <laughs> and and read that instead of the the scientific article that Travis posted. And if you want to read the scientific article, it's there. Travis posted it. It's great. But Tuataras which are super cool. If anybody doesn't know what they are, they are a lizard-like animal that lives in New Zealand. They are not lizards. They are tuatars. They are, there are two species left found in the genus uh, Rhynchocephalia, and I know that because I teach it, under the order Rhynchocephalia, because I teach it every year uh, in biology. Because when we do go, to, go to classification, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to teach you about this little guy because he's cool. But it is not a reptile. It's actually, and they, they looked at the genome, like a ancient relative to everything basically like mammals and reptiles and birds it goes back so far tuatars were alive at the age of dinosaurs um they split from where lizards and snakes diverged off like 250 million years ago and these guys are still around today um 
They're little prehistoric lizard-like things living in New Zealand, and they're super cool. So that article, really go cool. read that. But it talks about how they share <laughs> uh, DNA with um, current-day lizards, current-day mammals, uh, humans. Um, and it says, I like this line, today the species' closest relatives are snakes and lizards, but to call them relatives is a bit like calling a kangaroo a relative to a human. You know, they're somewhat a relative in the fact that they're a reptile, but that's about it. So. That's cool. It was really cool. Thank you, Travis. And thank you, the uh, Herpeticulture magazine, for posting the dumbed-down version for me to read. So It's hard if I you're not used to reading. Like, if you're not used to reading scientific articles, and I haven't read them for, like, 15 years. Yeah, it's been honestly. a while since I've read one. Yeah, so if you're not used to reading them, it's, it's harder to really deep dive in and get it. But once you read a lot of them, it gets a lot easier. At least that's what I remember from college. <laughs> I took I took a um, an animal diversity class this year from our mm-hmm. local zoo through my university and our last section was on reptiles and I was like I don't even need to read the articles and then I like did really bad on the tests um <laughs> so I started reading the articles <laughs> but I was like oh my god it's fine and then I was like holy shit like, there's a lot of terms I thought I knew yeah it, it you can get lost quickly mm-hmm so. And they're so boring sometimes. Sorry, sometimes. Yeah, but, but the problem is, like, they're not, a lot of times they're not boring content. It's just, it's so boring to read it. Yeah, it's just heavy. And I guess that's that, look, so that, that, that speaks to our, the time we're in now where we're just like, hey, someone explain this to me. I don't want to figure it out. But To abstract yeah. intro conclusion. Yeah, that's why I tried to read the abstracts on those, and, and they're still a lot of big words. And I was like, no, my brain's not working like that right now. <laughs> Um, is there an audiobook is there <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a, a small notes, little please? a little cartoon version that explains it but gives me fun little pictures yeah can you make <laughs> this a tiktok can you <laughs> uh, lance kirkman gave us two cool things happen you had ryan young who we talked about earlier um ryan's been breeding a lot of really cool stuff and he had a clutch of ring pythons hatch oh um, yeah i saw that I forgot that I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody checks out molecular reptiles, that is uh, Ryan Young. And the weird thing about ring pythons. So I remember at a point where ring pythons were in the hobby, like they were there and then they weren't there, which mm-hmm. was weird, mm-hmm. you know, and they're one of those snakes where like, it's a tricky snake though. Cause as a baby, they are freaking amazing. They're so pretty. Oh but my in, God. They're the prettiest babies. But in general, they are shit-tastic adults. They look horrible. They just look like they're brown. I really, I appreciate them though, even as adults. I, I do. Now, I think what's going to happen as we start to get more into this, moving away from ball pythons and moving towards other species, you're going to get more people trying to breed rings yep. and you're going to get more selective breeding of rings. And we may get to a point where the baby color is found more often in the adults. I mean, look oh, at what, look at what they even believe that. Oh my gosh. I mean, look what they did to, to jungle carpets. Jungle carpets don't look like that, but we turned them yellow and black. Heck yeah, we did. <laughs> Because in the wild, have you seen pictures of from people in front that have gone to Australia and have seen jungles? Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't look black and yellow. No, they look like – you see a picture and go, that's a coastal. And like, that's not a yeah. Coastal. So I, nope. I think in time we will have – and I want to say I've seen a picture of an adult somewhere that was still orange and black. Um, but obviously that's not the, the common thing. The babies are. The adults aren't. So I think, I think you will see at some point – they'll be closer to that. They won't turn that, you know, brown on black color as they tend to turn as adults. 
See, I see, like, it's not to, the one I've seen um, is my friend Mike Renault. He has, he had a pair. I don't know if he still had a pair or if one passed, but um, I believe that it was the male and it wasn't like a brown color. It was almost like a golden Gold. yeah. mustard. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really pretty, but it wasn't that, like, you know, orange of babies. But. Yeah, that's that's one of those animals that, like, it's super easy to sell the baby to somebody. Go, look at this thing. Oh, yeah. But it's a little harder to sell the adult to somebody. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, so that I, was, I've never heard of this. It's really, I'm, like, just looking at it online. Like, Google talking. You've never yeah, heard of a ring python? No, I haven't. It's really pretty. See, oh, that's, yeah, exact, that's exactly our point. That's that they're crazy. not very popular, and they're coming back, though. Just watch. Just like watch. I said, and, they, and they used to be. They, I mean, they used to be all over the hobby. I see all over. But, I mean, they were definitely something you saw at shows, and then there was like a decade span of where you didn't see them anywhere. And super so I didn't to go to my first show until I was 21 years old. Yeah, so when you I told like, your mom into buying you a green tree. I'm like, I, I was probably like – tree. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like 27. Sure I could home. 27 so I, or 28. Yeah, I didn't grow up with like herps or anything. So there's a lot that I'm still trying to learn. And that's why I, I value the podcast a lot. So this is really interesting. This is something I would like to have. So I'm just going to put that on the list. Yeah, yes. I went to my first show in 2003. Uh, it was a little show in Alabama. And then I went to Daytona for the first, fi- first time in 2005. You just got mm-hmm. so loud in my ear, James. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I don't know. I also, looking at this picture of the of the ring python, it looks like you can see the egg tooth. On the baby? Oh, yeah. On the, on the baby. Mm-hmm. You can, it's either the tongue, the tip of the tongue is sticking out, or that's an egg tooth. I can't really tell. Are, are you looking at the it link? Looks like, oh. oh, that's an egg tooth. Hello. Come on. That's the next picture he has is the egg tooth as well. Oh, wow. You can that see is, it, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That is cool when you see the slits in the uh, – so, yeah, if you go check out our – or go to Molecular Reptile. That's probably the easiest way. Go to Molecular Reptile. Molecular Reptile. I also will say that he has some amazing T-negative blood pythons. So, if you're a T-negative blood python fan like me, after I buy them from him, go ahead and, and get them. Also. <laughs> it's also not the first time we've mentioned him this on the podcast. Um, what else? He bred – oh, crap. I can't remember. He bred something else that was super cool. Children's python? Just anything in general. He does white lips and lots of cool stuff. Ball I'm, pythons? I'm just I'm I'm actually flipping through all of his pictures. I'm, I'm just, Me too. Okay, we should have done that earlier. Yeah, we're all I, looking at it. I, I, I'm flat I'm fastly <laughs> skipping through all the ball pythons. But there's a lot of cool stuff. Everybody listen to us. See, there's an adult ring python. If you go far enough, you'll see an adult ring python. You oh I jumped not, ship already. Oh, you loser. <laughs> <laughs> on June 17th, he posted a picture of an adult ring python on the eggs. And, uh, I mean, it's a little more colorful than what I've seen on some, but it's still, it's it's a, a black and brown or black and dark, dark orange snake. It's pretty, though. It is. And like I said, with selective breeding, they're going to be amazing. Yeah. As long, as long as enough people work with them. Mm-hmm. So, Anyways, go check that out. Ring pythons. They're really cool. Uh, they're making a comeback, I hope. I don't know if I'll ever own one, but I, I think they definitely should be more of the hobby. They are they are a cool snake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing we had posted was – where was that? Oh, Ryan Gosselow posted about beavers. Uh, yeah, beaver, the heading on that. <laughs> yeah, beaver beaver fam- families <laughs> win legal right to remain. What? What? So they introduced beavers into part of the U.K. where they were no longer at. Um, beavers, I think, get a, a bad rap. 
I think people need to get over themselves and let beavers do what beavers do and just shut up because everybody's like, well, they dam up waterways. Well, that's kind of what they're supposed to do. Yeah, that's their job. That's kind of what they were doing before we got there and said, you know what? We should clear this waterway. Uh, they create, they're a keystone species. I teach this also. They're a keystone species in the fact that uh, any of y'all biology people out there know keystone species alter an entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So when a beaver comes along, they create an entire ecosystem for others. So you have this small stream that maybe house uh, small minnows and a few wading birds can come through there. And that's about it. But then they dam up this small stream and that turns into a large pond, which can house larger fish, turtles, larger birds. It's a larger water source for other mammals and everything else in the area that would not exist without beavers. And so they're vitally important and everybody treats them like they're a, they're a nuisance animal that we need to get rid of. And I think it's insane. It always, every time I hear someone talk about how much they just shoot beavers all the time, I'm like, why? I don't, you know. I never lived in an area that had beavers. I, yeah, I don't think we have beavers where I am. See, we have them down here. People talk about killing them all the time. Like, like they weren't here first. <laughs> like, like, get rid of the beavers. They're in our way. I'm like, well, yeah, but, the, but they were doing what they've always been doing. You just You're moved there. their way. So these beavers, go ahead. So no, I was just going to say, if you read the article, one of my favorite parts about it too is that, did you see that the wildlife activists are called beaver bombers? Yeah. I would like to join. Become a <laughs> I beaver. just want to put, in, yeah, but I feel like <laughs> beaver put an application bomber, out there. I feel like that's also, you got to be careful what, what website you go to if you type in beaver bomber. Yeah, I feel like that's a shirt you'd find at like yes. Hot Topic in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a beaver bomber. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! I never mind. I was gonna make a joke, but everybody would get upset because nobody has a sense of humor anymore. The levels to that. I'm just saying, in somebody's Facebook group, beaver bombers may mean something else. If it was an all girls Facebook group. Oh my gosh! What? I didn't say that. God, April. Oh my gosh! And this is why we need all female spaces in the hobby. This yep. is a really good point. You, you need, y'all need a safe. You need a safe space. <laughs> Nina, there's no way from you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so anyways, these beavers, they introduced them. They get to stay. They've said they're good for the environment, which they are. Uh, and they talk about how much good they do. And so it was kind of cool. Even though it's not reptile related, it was still a cool article about beavers, which I think are super important and don't get enough credit. And then, oh, uh, sorry, Lance Kirkman also posted uh, Don Patterson reptile hat and Golan's and Golan pythons hatch. Oh, that's cool. That like. is a that is my dream species, like really? hands down. Yeah, I worked with them at uh, at the Cincinnati Zoo, and I just am in love with them. And Ryan Dumas had a pair like a year ago that he got rid of, and I didn't have the money, but I would have like if I had the money, I would have snatched them up. You know, and it's a, that's another species I'm surprised you don't see more of because I mean, to me, if you like. And I know people out there going, it's not a ball python. I get it's not a ball python. If you like ball pythons, it's a cooler version. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 bigger. It acts completely different. It's going to actually move like a snake does mm-hmm. instead of sit like a rock. It's bumpy, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just naturally a pretty color, like the pattern yeah. and all that. It's like just- a roughie and a ball python, but nothing like the two of those at all. Exactly, yeah. and it's just such a like a, such a cool species, and it just handles so differently than other snakes I've worked with that I just like absolutely loved working with them. I have no idea what it was about them that I like so much. 
I would but... like to handle them because I was always under the impression that it was just a bumpy ball python, and I got Mm-mm. schooled oh, so yeah. hardcore when I said that. And I was like, "Ooh, sorry, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so I was but like, also... I, "I really need to to work with them like in person and and see for myself." I don't think they're like I could be wrong in this, but the care is similar to a ball python enough that I don't think it's a very difficult species to keep. They're harder just to breed. Not... Yeah, that's the thing. They're really no one's. Like I'm in a breeding group for them, and there's like nothing. You can't there's breed them. <laughs> you you can't breed them in a plastic box in your closet like you can ball pythons. Yeah, there actually takes a thought and and taking them through seasons and everything. You actually mm-hmm. have to do stuff, and it's, it's, so that's that's the problem. But I mean, mm-hmm. as more people work with them, it will become easier. I mean, it's ball pythons used to not be super easy, mm-hmm. and then they became super easy. I do have yeah. a buddy that lives here uh, near me who owns one, but he's got it out on a breeding loan, hoping to get babies. So, mm, well, get me in touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm first because I do want one. I think you, so April, you called them bumpy ball pythons. I think it's the same way as like, I used to refer to bloods as just giant angry ball pythons. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's, it's nothing like a ball python actually. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's just, probably like that. It's that it's same, same sentiment. Thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was Don Patterson. That was oh, and then we had one thing last week that got I literally got added while we were doing our podcast, and I, and I was gonna like, I'll bring it up this week. Uh, Ryan Holland posted, and someone else that I work with told me about this, but it was a beetle that crawled out of a frog's butt. What? <laughs> so, so I didn't the, see that one. The frog <laughs> ate a beetle, and because frogs will pretty much eat anything they get in their mouth, and they don't always kill everything they swallow, the beetle wasn't dead. And it was like a, one of those like water beetles and it uh, made it all the way through the digestive tract. And this guy watched it crawl out the back end of the frog. <laughs> so. I don't know how I'd react. <laughs> so silly. Have you ever seen me suddenly selling my collection? It's because one of my snakes has pooped out a live animal. A live animal just walks out of your snake's ass and just keeps going yeah. on his day. That's it. You're like, are oh, you okay? Like, is everything okay? Oh, the horrors. Saw. The horrors that he saw. <laughs> Everyone out there, I don't know. Okay, so I know y'all probably haven't, but anybody out there that's watched South Park right now is automatically thinking of uh, the hamster that got shoved up Slave's butt. So if you've ever watched, there's Mr. Slave, and a hamster went up his butt, and along his trails inside the Mr. Slave's butt, he met all these other animals that got shoved in there and died, and they helped him escape, and he comes crawling out of Mr. Slave. What? So, See, that was a good story. You got to watch South Park. See, I'm telling you, there's people out there that have watched You're South not really Park. selling like, the show for me, but. Uh-uh. It's, nope. it's a great show. I it's never got one, into it, I have to say. It's a wonderful story about a hamster that overcomes. Uh, <laughs> he survives. He's a fi- it's a lot like this movie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds like a fucked up version of the magic school bus when they go down the kid's digestive tract. <laughs> That's more my speed. <laughs> yeah, he, he just took the opposite route. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, so, so the, yeah, that that is all the things that we were told about this week on our podcast on our Facebook group. Uh, there's some of them very interesting, like you know, butt beetles. Old butt beetles. Anyways, different from a dung beetle. That is different from yes, distinction. It did, it did not want to be near the poop. Yeah. It fought to get away from the poop, whereas the dung beetle wants the poop. See, it's a different kind of beetle. <laughs> so, this, is a sh- this is a shitty conversation. 
Ah. So see what you did there? I know. Moving to YouTube. <laughs> oh, God. So the first two videos I want to talk about, kind of, I, I brought them up because they, they kind of go together. It was Snake Discovery did a video on bull snake morphs, uh, just like the base, which was kind of cool. I watched it. I don't really know a lot about bull snake morphs, so I watched it, um, and it was on, like, mainly the, the recessive. Most of the stuff is recessive in bull snakes. And then there's some things that are more, like, locale-specific. And then Dave Kaufman did one on strange bull snakes hatching. He had hatched some, I want to say they were some sort of albino. I don't want to lie. There's some sort of albino-ish bull snakes. Um, but the whole reason I thought that was interesting is that as we move away from the ball python era, there are other snakes are starting to make a big push or comeback. And bull snakes, I think, are going to, in, in most likely because of these two people, because of Emily, and because of Dave Kaufman, because of the the amount of people they reach on a weekly basis. And they always, they talk about their bull snakes quite a bit. I think that's going to be a driving force, but I think bull snakes are a cool snake. I own my Louisiana pine, which is a pitchophis, And I think it's a really awesome snake. And I think they're an overlooked colubrid uh, that, you know, cause most people, when they think colubrid, they go straight to corn snake and they don't think about bull snakes. So I just thought, it was really cool to watch them and it'd be really neat to see what happens with bull snakes in the future. As far as the hobby goes, mm-hmm. I know that April doesn't own them. Cause she doesn't <laughs> own stuff from North America, except for random corn snakes. Yes. I love my random corn snakes. No, I don't know. I don't own bull snakes, but I agree with the uh, opinion that they seem to be. I think they're getting more popular because I heard really nothing about them. Oh, six years ago, I only knew one person that had them, and now I know everyone that has. <laughs> because like bull snakes for a long time, a lot like blood pythons had the ten, the the history of being mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I always thought bull snakes. Oh, yeah, they bite. You know, um, but you're starting to see them more and more in the hobby as pets. And don't get me wrong, I've watched some of those videos with Emily taking the baby bull snakes out when they as soon as they hatch, and they do bite as babies. I've seen that but I think they calm down pretty well. And they're a thick-bodied – I mean, if you like keeled scales, they're really cool to feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the the only bull snake I've ever worked with who's an absolute jerk. Just the meanest thing. Like, you would go near his tub, and the entire thing would shake. And I'd be like, can I please get your water? Like, just please. <laughs> so I thought it was cool last year when I drove to Tinley, and I looked up at the sign, and it said Kankakee. And my first thought was, bull snakes are from here. <laughs> that was all like, I, I don't own one or nothing but i just know because i've seen people talk about kankakee bull snakes i was like i know where we're at <laughs> just thought that was funny it was my my geography lesson was i, I turned to katie I was like there's bull snakes from here so and what'd she say she good job shit. james well, you, got, like, you get a flat tire and you're in a tin lane you call triple a and like where are you and like um do you know where bull snakes are from you, you, know, <laughs> you know that place that people find those bull snakes that look a certain yeah. way i'm in, I'm in that place <laughs> oh uh the next one i want to look at was our talk about was camp cannon did one called making a living with venomous snakes and it was with jack vicente who's one of like the old school venomous snake uh, people in Florida milking for collection for um, like the uh, to make anti venoms and all that kind of stuff. Does he have all his fingers? He does. He does have his hey. fingers. He has been bit, but he does have his fingers, and they didn't. At least it looked like he did. I know um, Jack Vicente was on an episode of THP at one point with Jake and Justin because um, he does 
coral snakes, which in the video they talk about it. At oh, one cool. point, all the coral snake antivenom had expired. Um, and because so few people get envenomated by coral snakes, they were just like, fuck it. We're not going to make any more of this because it's just not financially viable. Although that really, you know, you may not care about it until you're the person that gets bit by a coral snake. No like, kidding, right? So the tricky part with coral snakes, though, and, and I've tried to keep them in captivity when I worked at the zoo, is is feeding the bastards. They don't want to eat in captivity. Um, and so what they do is they actually tube feed them. So he has to catch these things, like I think he said, like every twenty-four days or so, catches them, milks them, and then tube feeds them this mixture they've made of whatever it is that helps them grow better, um, and, and that's how they feed them. That's so, like so stressful. Yeah, that's why they stressful do it. Stressful like, on you and the snake. That's why they said yeah. they do it every twenty-four or twenty-seven days or whatever, because that tube feeding is very invasive, and yeah. if they do it too often, it can definitely hurt the snake. Uh, mm -hmm. But he's one of the few places that does coral snake because uh, they've now started doing it again. They started making more antivenom for anybody out there that's afraid of getting bit by a coral snake. They are now making antivenom, but he's one of the ones that is as resilient. And he actually had a clutch of eggs from a coral snake uh, incubating while they were there, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should still be afraid of getting bit by a coral snake. We shouldn't encourage it. Yeah, don't, mess <laughs> don't, don't mess with them. I mean, the likelihood of getting bit by one is is small, but you definitely want them to have antivenom when you're the one that gets bit by one. So you don't want a reason there's a kid down in Florida. It's like, well, James said they got an antivenom now. I can just go ahead and get bit by this. Fine. Yeah. Well, I was like, we talked about a video several podcasts back of a kid, a group of kids playing with a coral snake. They, oh, yeah. they say the little saying correctly and yet they still don't realize they're holding a coral snake and then it bites yeah. the kid. That, that video like shakes me to my core every time I see it. But like that video shows you how fucking calm those snakes are though. Cause you saw how much they messed uh -huh. with that snake. It took until, a lot. I mean, they really, it was one until they really grabbed it. That it was like, all right guys, I guess I have to bite you now. Mm -hmm. uh, Just a note. We are not condoning handling do not, them either. No, do yeah. not. <laughs> But they, they are a super pretty snake. If anybody's ever seen one in person, they are really pretty. Mm -hmm. Or uh, even in pictures. Or in pictures. That's where I've seen them. <laughs> I, um, so a friend of mine who works for the Forestry Service, who is part of the people that trap pine, Louisiana pine snakes for the um, preservation of Louisiana pine snakes and all, uh, she went to check a trap. And when they checked it, there was a coral snake eating a Louisiana milk snake, or was it a scarlet snake? I think it was a scarlet snake, which is a mimic. Because down here in Louisiana, we have three mimics. We have the scarlet snake, the scarlet king snake, and the uh, Louisiana milk snake. And I can't remember. It was, it was eating one of them. It was, it's an interesting picture she took of a coral snake eating a coral snake mimic. That is funny. Just a lot of red, black, and yellow bands. So that was kind of cool. Um, but that was on Camp Cannon's channel really interesting just to see also he shows you his whole setup and it goes through all of his other venomous snakes and you see kind of the laboratory setup he has of where he puts them where he weighs them where he milks them how he goes through the whole process and it was a lot like where we talked about the um uh, m toxins video where they opened up that new m toxins like like zoo reptile zoo mm -hmm. and we talked about how the guy said um you know in the future you know, the idea of milking will not be a thing. There's very few, there's fewer and fewer people milking venomous snakes. And he talks about it. Uh, Jack Vicente talks about it. You know, it's more important to study the venoms, less important to be the person milking the venom because eventually mm -hmm. that's just going to be useless. You know, we, we can do all this synthetically. So I just need to watch these two people that are basically doing the same thing, say the same thing. 
uh, and then Clint's reptiles. He the video the title video the title got oh my me. God. He said giant centipedes the best pet invertebrate question mark and I'm for automatically going no no it is not <laughs> they're fucking horrifying yeah anyone anyone <laughs> that is not anyone that is not hor- I don't care if you love them and think they're amazing if you are not horrified at some point of something about a centipede there's something wrong with you they're a scary ass animal mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it's hilarious because millipedes are like the cutest little thing to Love ever bumble around. No, the they're not cute either. No, what? I, oh, no. I, no. no, come no. We have millipedes at our new house. It's awesome. They're like three, two to three inches long. No, nope. they're really cool. No, nope. I love I love millipedes. I was in um, I did a study abroad in South America, and we were on a coffee plantation tour in Colombia. And there's this giant millipede on a tree, and I was like, oh, it's a millipede. Like it's not going to do anything. So I picked it up. I got a picture with it and all of my classmates were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, can you please? And my teachers are like, do you know what that is? And I'm like, that's yeah, a millipede. Like we're fine. Like we're good. I'm not, I'm not picking up like a random snake or something. It's like I identified the millipede. I knew like what kind it was. And I was like, we're good. But the centipedes thing, I don't fuck with centipedes. Yeah. I don't like either. Centipedes. Well, they're just, they're super fast. They can turn back on their body insanely fast. And then there's giant pinching legs that can envenomate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a scary ass animal. It was a very neat video. And I agree. They would, they're a very cool pet. As long as you want a hands off who just pet to view. They're not a, let me take this out and show my friends. Cause that's a stupid idea. Do you remember the video of Rob Christian almost losing one? No. I think it was a nerd video. I think, or it was like a nerve live feed or something like that. Yeah. And it like, it went shooting off the table. Yeah. I just, no, no. Have you seen the picture of the centipede, like sitting around all of the baby centipedes? Yes. They hold them underneath their their legs. Yeah. You guys just literally gave me chills. (laughs) Like not the good kind. (laughs) That makes me gag. They're very, they're very caring parents. (laughs) They're just horrifying animals. I love tarantulas. I love snakes. Yeah. I lo- but no to the millipede and centipede. See, we have smaller no. centipedes down here in Louisiana, but they only get like an inch, two inches long. And so although I'm like, yeah, they're venomous, I'm not going to pick one up, but they don't scare me nearly as much as one that's a foot long. But they're so fast. That's well, the thing that gets me. It's really cool watching Clint's video because he shows you up close pictures of it like envenomating and chewing on this dubia roach mm-hmm. and so that was super cool to see and then you really watch how their legs are a wave you watch them move in waves as it walks in a straight line and that's really cool but, i mean these things take on all sorts of shit when they eat yeah, snakes crazy I've seen, predators i've seen them eating crazy. snakes before they eat mice i mean it's they're horrifying to all the centipedes in the world i appreciate you but please stay the fuck away from me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I think this is this is the closest I can get to people being just absolutely disgusted by my pets. Like, I don't want to kill the centipedes, but I don't, I don't need to ever see one. Ever well, again. I agree with you. My fear is, look, if a snake gets out in my house, tough shit. A snake gets out. I'm not moving out. Like, if it gets out and I find it, <laughs> it's great. You know, but, but, if I don't, centipede. but if I don't find a snake, it's like, oh shit, I didn't find a snake. Oh well. But if I don't find a centipede, I'm living somewhere else until someone else finds that fucking centipede. My my headphones oh. just grazed across my chest and I physically jumped. <laughs> just 
just imagine a, just imagine a sleep in your bed and all of a sudden a centipede. Oh, right? Oh, you're giving me chills again and not the good kind. Man. Oh, this is no good. I don't know what's going Oh, horrifying. So I think the answer to Clint, Clint's reptiles question, uh, the best pet invertebrate question mark is no. 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 <laughs> and, I, and I think if I were going to name the best pet invertebrate, I'm going isopods. Mm-hmm. Okay, Super yeah. easy to keep. You can get them in really cool colors. Uh, I sell them in case you was curious. Uh, and they're little, and if they get out and you're afraid of them, you can squish them. Yeah, or they'll dry up and die because they're little crustaceans. That was one thing he said was an issue with centipedes. I never really thought of. They never died. No, they dry out very easily. Oh, yeah. They don't. They don't have a waxy cuticle <laughs> on the outside of their body like roaches where, and stuff. Where did my mind go? You're they never up. die. They never die. <laughs> Centipedes live forever. <laughs> you cut them in half, and now you have two centipedes. Oh, oh god! It's like a hydra. <laughs> oh that, my that god! That does make them way more horrifying. <laughs> so scary. Oh, oh man! All right, okay. that's enough about horrifying centipedes. I gotta pull it together, <laughs> man. So, April, you I'm had like a hot. video. <laughs> <laughs> So I take a breath, I a there are video, no centipedes, yes. we're good. From, uh, Zach Green's Reptiles. Um, I think he is either uh, a newer channel or is just starting to put out more stuff. But I get all my herp stats from him. And this video is specifically about reptile room elect- electrical demand. Um, and he goes over really like how much uh, a house... Um, breaker is and which is he said was 15 or 20 20 amps amps, yeah um and then like what that uh, accounts to as as racks and if you have back heat on a rack it's gonna take less uh wattage or amps than one that has it you know like serpentined all the way through all of them to have the 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 heat tape on the bottom um and then he went over like a herp stat four i think was 1600 watts i think um which would be like a third of the energy for pulling for the room and he just went over just you don't think about that and some people might really overdo their room and you know when we asked a long time ago about people's biggest fear for their room it was fire and here's a key way to um, possibly start a fire is if you overdo your electrical input on your room. So he goes over the details of that. And I thought that is something that not a lot of people think about and not a lot of people like really like even know the basics of. So I think he does a really good job doing the basics of that. Well, that video got me thinking immediately. And so I was like, I need to know what I'm pulling in my room because I've got this new room and I really what I need to do I, I haven't done it yet and I should have done it when I first moved in is I need to turn on everything in my house and then go to my breaker box and figure out which breakers go to what because I honestly don't know if my mm-hmm. room is running off one breaker or two breakers if is every plug running on the same breaker is my fridge freezer and all my snake stuff on the same breaker that's a lot that would be a problem so I've got to figure all that out but what I did and I've ordered them the coming in Wednesdays I went on Amazon and I looked for smart plugs, Wi-Fi smart plugs that come with energy monitoring. You know, you an app on your yeah, phone. Yeah, cool. That's smart. And so I ordered four of them, and they're like, uh, they can hold up to I think sixteen hundred watts. So they're they're high energy smart plugs. You download an app, and it will show you the current energy usage. It'll show you how much energy usage has been for the last month, 
And so I can get an idea of how much is going into each plug. And then when I figure out my breaker situation, what breakers are doing what, I then know, well, do I need to split this up on different walls? Do I need to do what? Because mm-hmm. right now I don't. And that, and that is a big issue. I may, it may be working fine right now, but what happens for anybody that doesn't know is if you're pulling too much energy and if you don't trip the breaker, what could happen is that the wire, and he talks about it in there. If, so you don't want to have a breaker that carry that can allow for more amps than the wiring run to the breaker. Because what happens is you may have a breaker that won't trip until a certain amp, it's 20 amps on it, but you may have 15 amp, uh, you know, a smaller diameter wire running to it. And that thing's going to heat up and it's in your walls and it's going to heat up really, really hot because uh, mm-hmm. you've got all this power going through it. And that's what starts a fire. And so uh, these smart plugs, it was like twenty four ninety nine for a four pack of them, and money I think is that's going to be very well spent. I can look up my energy usage, and he talks about it. You know, yeah, if you're running a herbstat, you may not be pulling the full amount of energy that that heat tape or heat panel or whatever it is says it can pull because as a herbstat works, it's proportional and it's only using small amounts of energy here and there. But you still have to account for if it were to go full blast and be running all of it. Um, and so I'm super excited to get these in and see how much I'm really pulling on each of my racks and all my plugs. Cause I know there's people out there right now that have got two plugs in their room and like four surge protectors plugged into those. And then mm-hmm. those surge protectors are full of stuff. And you know, some people out there have got a surge protector plugged into a surge protector plugged into a wall. Which right. the, like just because do that. you have enough plugs in the room to plug everything into doesn't mean that you actually have enough like energy, <laughs> enough yeah. uh, enough wattage and amps, whatever. You know the terms I'm trying. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Just because you have all the plugs for it doesn't mean that you actually have yeah. you know, the proper wiring and everything for that. And if you really, really want to know and make sure that your reptile room is safe, get an electrician to come in and look at it. That that's, is true. That, that's real safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're going to have to look at the wiring that is run to your breakers. They're going to have to look at the amperage you break. And you can go to your breaker right now. And if you, if you know which one runs what you have plugged in, it will tell you on the breaker. It'll say 15 or 20 on there. Uh, most of them will say 15, but there are, I do I know I have some in my house that say 20, they're 20 amp breakers. Um, but again, what really matters there is the wire that is running to that breaker. It's got to be, the right wire, right gauge wire. So yeah. that's stuff so that an electrician. You can't switch out a 15 yeah. to a 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do that. That's, yeah, don't you, do that you, on your own. <laughs> that will burn your house down. <laughs> yeah, Because don't what will happen that. is your breaker will not switch, flip because, yeah, it can carry that, that wattage. But, but your the, wires can't. But the wires can't, and they will burn and fire burn down your house. We don't want that. We don't want another GoFundMe for someone else who burned that, down the that, house. Yeah, that's, that's been a thing recently. So no one if, wants that. If anybody's curious, go on Amazon. There's several different uh, brands, several different ones, but you're looking for a Wi-Fi smart plug that has energy monitoring. There's a ton of Wi-Fi smart plugs that you can just turn on and off with your phone. That's fine. But you want one that has energy monitoring that will show you how much energy that plug is actually pulling um, at any given time. And then you can figure out all right, am I good or am I not good? And they're cheap. Like I said, this is a four pack of them for twenty four ninety nine. So that's awesome. I didn't even yeah. know this were a thing. I didn't either. Yeah. But when I watched that video, I was like, I need to know. I actually went <laughs> and searched for because uh, they make a plug where you can just plug in and see how much energy that, it tells you. It reads out how much energy it's pulling. Yeah, yeah. But, th- but then I found these, and I was like, wait a minute. I can leave these in all the time. And the great thing about them is they're Wi Fi smart plugs, which means I can actually my plug that is running my lights. 
I can set my lights on and off with this and I can set the timer and I can set the schedule all with this smart plug. Ooh, you're even more fancy now. Yeah, and if I want to control, if I want to turn, if I wanted to turn the heating off and on, I could, but I don't have to because I have, I have herp stats. I'm, I'm bougie like you. I have herp stats. I can set 5 million schedules to turn up and down and do all the stuff that I don't do because I'm not that into it. I just need it to stay a certain temperature. But I know that Dominique had posted about, uh, I didn't watch the, and I'm sorry, Justin, but I didn't watch the Snakes and Stogies episode. They talked about thermostats on there. Right? Yeah, they're having a brief conversation about like what kinds of thermostats you use and the difference between like Herpstat and VE. So I, in my, I say my room, it's my living room. Um, I use a mix of Herpstats, Vivarium Electronics, and then I also have one of those Jumpstart thermostats. Um, so being in college, how do you like I, the jumpstart one? I do too. So being in college, I buy everything secondhand um, yeah. for my animals. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you the last thing I bought new except for one green tree cage. Um, but I have everything like Vivarium Electronics and Herbstat. I find they're super comparable. Um, as long as you get like a VE 200 or above, because that's when it becomes a proportional thermostat versus just an on off. Mm-hmm. And so I use those for my green trees, for my, um, and for my ball Python racks. But if I have, um, usually with colubrids or crested geckos or other, uh, animals like that, that are less sensitive, I'll use the jump start, which is just an on off because I feel, find it's accurate enough and I'm not putting out enough heat to worry that much about it Mm -hmm. um but i was curious which one you guys use and if you found a difference between like herpstat which has a metal probe versus other thermostats that use like a plastic or a rubber coated probe so herpstat back in the day didn't have a metal probe because i have really old ones and they have uh actually my probe just went out on me on one of these older ones i had to replace it um but it was rubber coated and i don't really notice a difference between um those probes and i also really i have herbstat and i have ve and i don't really notice a difference i prefer herbstat i just i got the ve because of um the incubator that i got mm-hmm. um which was second hand from someone and they got it with the the incubator and then just gave it to me as a full package so that's how i got it um but I love Herbstats and I'm OCD and like everything to match. So I stick with Herbstats. <laughs> yeah, that uh, makes sense. I, uh, I've talked about for, for the longest time. I mean, well over a decade used the cheap $24 ones that have the little round top and the dial that you move, like mm-hmm, the cheap ass mm-hmm. ones. Um, and I never had my house burned down. Now, I've heard horror stories about them and them failing. I never had that issue. And I probably at one point had 10 of them running, but then I was like, you know what? I, I need to really up this. And so I got a herb set and I'd always wanted a herb set for, well, I'd sold some babies at a show. I sold a bunch of them. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and buy a herb set four. And it was right when they'd come out with the herb set six. And I was like, well, shit, why buy a four when I can buy a six? And so I bought the herb set six, which runs six Dude, different things. This is the only thing that I've ever known you to be bougie about. I, I love, I love my Herbstat thermostats. Like to me, they are, well, it's, we talked about being afraid your house is going to burn down, right? Mm-hmm. Herbstats, when they fail, fail in the off position, Yep. which is not the same for most other thermostats. So if your Herbstat 
fails on you, it shuts off. Whereas a lot of other thermostats, when they fail on you, turn off, but yet the power supply still goes to it. And so it turns on, it fails in the on position and your heat supply runs full blast. So that is one big thing why I like Herbstats. And so I own a Herbstat 6, a Herbstat 4, a Herbstat 2, and a Herbstat 1. Um, and I've got, I need so to buy you them. own all of them is what you're saying. I, well, I do, except they just came out, they just came out with a new one. Uh, they came out, with a they, new one. they came out with a new one that allows you to oh, track, like uh, your temperatures. Yeah. Spider, right? I well, spider, called. No, no, they sp- called it, um, spider robotics shit. is the name of the company. Yeah. They had a weird name for it cause it's yeah, Wi-Fi enabled. Yeah. Hold on. I'll look it up. It's, um, but it's a very, it just came out. It is called the, well, it's called the Herbstat 2 Spider Web. Ah, Spider Web. Okay. Uh, it's a brand new product. Uh, features uh, for reading. Link well, if they come out with a four or six in that, I'm down. Yeah, I'm it looks buy cool. That up. That's another thing. I like the look. I, I, I don't have the red. You have a red line. Are the red line ones right? Do I have mix? And it drives me crazy because that OCD thing. But <laughs> yeah, so if, if no one's familiar, Herbstat comes in two two versions. They come in the regular one, which is a blue. Uh, yep. kind of background and then they come in the red line which is black with red numbers um, yeah but the red line's only what like a two and, and the one. single right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep so I'm not do you guys do you use anything else to monitor humidity or temperature in your cages so i use like the govi products which is the little bluetooth um tracker i have yeah, a, yeah i have two of those right I now i just have one lot. in each corner of my room so but i, I use one for the incubator as well the, in my green tree enclosures yeah i um at my last place like luckily this new place i just moved into is a lot better but my last place i had to have the ac going like all the time um and it was still really freaking hot but i was having a really hard time with the humidity like having pretty Mm -hmm. drastic spikes but i it's been so nice to be able to track that and like see what time of day it was spiking or going down I know. I, I like that. And I think I like that more than a um, thermostat that tells me through Wi-Fi because I'd like to have a secondary uh, item so I can compare the two. That makes sense too. Mm-hmm. I like, I do like, I like the Govi. Um, and since I've been traveling so much for work, I did like, we had a really hot week in Memphis and I was worried because I had my incubator going in my snake room and my snake room, um, I have all the air vents shut off from it. And so it kind of just fluctuates with the temperatures outside, not dramatically. Like if it's 95 outside, it's going to be like 80, 83 in the room and the hottest my room has gotten was 86 but what's cool about the govi is you can see over a time period like what the the low was and what the high was so i can see the highest my room ever got was i think like 83 so i'm like okay that's okay that's not pushing it too bad you know it's it's higher Mm -hmm. but it's not pushing it too bad and then the lowest it got was like 78 and i'm like okay that's you know that's fine that's not too bad and my incubator man that incubator was on point the whole entire time and my Sumatrans I had some with some wonky defects and so some people were like well maybe it was an incubator spike and I could pull up the information and say no they were constant at you know 86 the highest it went was 87 there's no reason that it would be Mm -hmm. a temperature you know spike for that so it was cool to be able to look that up and see the historical data so do you have oh sorry go ahead go ahead no go ahead do you have ones that you can only see it if you're within like 100 feet of the sensor Yes. Okay. So I know that sensor push is the other option 
And those are used by Andy Middleton of AMR Boreals. And mm-hmm. he can look at them like from anywhere in the world. Because I got them lot so I could expensive. do that. Yeah, I got them so I could look at them while I was traveling in a way. That was the whole point of me getting it. And yeah. I can't. And so I was like, well, that's dumb. But when I do go Spencer back, I can see it all. <laughs> yeah, how much it, do you know how much it data. is? I want to say like $50 a pop. And then the Whereas, ones are like 25 I think. Is so like yeah. I was reading the stuff on the uh, the spider web, the, the Herpstat 2 spider web. Yeah. It basically does everything you're just saying as well as being a thermostat. It mm-hmm. um, does a high-low temperature tracking to help monitor heating systems and closure efficiency. It's a history graph that shows temperature and regulation over time through Wi-Fi connection to your phone, PC, your computer, or also does a web upload to spiderrobotics.com site for viewing status online so you can see it from, you know, if you're not near your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does all that in their thermostat, which is really cool, which it's surprising it took this long I guess and technology needed to get there, but it took this long for that to happen in a thermostat. I want to say Herbstat used to have an add-on feature that did that before. Um, and then it went away. There was like a, it, it didn't come on the thermostat, it came into something you could plug into it. Mm-hmm. And now it's not there anymore, but now they have this. Also, um, it has a larger colored LCD screen that's customizable, so you're no longer stuck with one color. So there you go, April. You can change the Ooh. colors. <laughs> Can I make it purple? Can I make everything purple? I don't know, but it does have a color LCD screen that will allow you to change color. It doesn't say what colors it'll change to. That's but. exciting. Um, if you wanted to get your hands on that new Herbstat, I'm sure Zach Green Reptile sells them because he is a vendor for Herbstat uh, thermostats. You're welcome for the free plug. I'll take your money later. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I do, I, I love Herbstats. Like, and, and it may be like Coke versus Pepsi. I don't know when it comes to that in VE. Yeah, it, but, it probably is, honestly. But I grew up with loving Herbstats and not being able to afford them. And now I can. I'm like, I'm going to own them. You know, yeah, I, have, I think that's like kind of where I am. Where it's like, when I have the money to get something like a Herbstat that has multiple inputs, I'll get it. But right now it's just, what's on Craigslist today? Yeah. You know well, what, though? When you buy a Herbstat secondhand, it's still like, good. It's, it's still good to go. Yeah, I have like, one. Yeah. those no, are solid. I have one or two that are second. Think no one that's secondhand. It works great. And their I've, customer service is really great too. If you ever have issues with them. Yeah, but I've had the same thing with the VEs. Like I, the only problem I've ever had buying a VE secondhand is that the, the screen on one of them is like slightly broken, so mm-hmm. it flashes. But yeah. other than drive that, me crazy. everything's fine. <laughs> that would drive I'm me nuts. low maintenance with that kind of stuff, so I was like, whatever. <laughs> well, it's in your it, – well, I mean, it'd be in my snake room, so I'm not in there 24-7, but oh, in your living room? Oh, my bedroom. It was in oh. my bedroom forever. Oh, my goodness. Well, mine used to be in my bedroom, too, like two and a half years ago, so I See, get it. And I thought I was hot shit back in, like, 09 when I bought a Helix thermostat. Oh yeah, and I was like, "This shit's awesome!" And don't get me wrong, I still run. I still run it. It's on my Brettles cage right now. It still works great, but like, it's it doesn't. It's not the same. It's definitely not the same as all the stuff that you can do on the Herbstats. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely don't use the Herbstat to the level at which it is made to be used. Oh, I even do night cycles on mine just See, for shits and giggles. I, I don't like. I don't do the night cycles, <laughs> but like, it's also made to go with like because you could buy the humidity probes. I think they go with uh-huh, it. Yeah. There's also, I mean, there's lighting. I mean, there's a whole yep. bunch of things you can do with them. But I definitely I have my don't lights do. set to it. But I don't think all the lights that um, I plugged a couple lights into the the one probe, um, and I don't think all of them have a dimming 
on it. Actually, no, they don't. So one of them would be like a strobe, you know, and I don't want that. <laughs> but you There's can a rave do. going on. Yeah. And <laughs> Sunrise and sunset is more like a rave. As soon as it comes on, you hear boom, There's bass music exactly. coming from the snake room. You're just hypnotizing uh, your snakes. I know, or they have <laughs> Drop epilepsy the beat. and give them seizures, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but that's really cool. Well, too, if you have the dimming light, if all of them are dimming, then you can have a sunrise and sunset kind of thing. And you don't just like shock your reptiles into sunlight, which yeah. I wonder if that actually bothers them or not. You know, like, I mean, hello, it, lights it, on, seven it o'clock. bothers me if someone flips the lights on in my room. Right? Yeah. I wonder if it bothers them. So I probably should care more, but I don't. Boo. <laughs> well, I think I'll it get- depends on my snake. Because, like, I've I've had this conversation with Justin Smith. Like, I've got some great, really easy green trees, but then my female, she, like, if you look at her at night, she just stops shedding. Like, the last two sheds she's had, I've come into the room, and she's gotten it past her eyes. And then once she sees me, she goes back to sleep, and I have to peel the whole thing off myself. The next, like, two days later, like, I let her try. And she just, yeah, like, so she hates that kind of stuff. So I let the sun rise naturally in my room, and then I come in, and I turn the lights on when it's bright. Silly green snakes on a stick. I know. They're just ball pythons on a stick. I do not believe that for a second. They don't do anything. I do. I, I, I believe they're even more sensitive <laughs> than a ball python on a stick. If that's what you're saying, like, they don't do anything, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't do anything. They have really big teeth. They do have really big teeth. That's anything that lives in a tree. Any snake yeah, in the tree, I you know, don't. I know, I know. Although I say that, and then like I look at my rainbow bows, and they have equally huge freaking teeth. Yeah. I, I don't. Do think they really? Them. I oh honestly haven't really looked at a rainbow mm-hmm. bow's mouth. Dude, I'm, the first time I saw my big adult male yawn, I went, "Holy shit! I'm glad he <laughs> likes me." Because that <laughs> made me so rethink. Funny. That made me rethink every time I hold him. I'm like, that is really gonna hurt. And I'm like, wait, do Colombian rainbow bows have it too? They all do. Oh man, because I have and, a Colombian rainbow boa. And I got to thinking, I was like, what? Well, why why do you have teeth like that? And then I watched Dave Kaufman's video where he did one on rainbow boas in the wild. And there was one that climbed up to the top of like an observation thing, like way up yeah. on a tree. I was like, oh shit, they do climb. That explains the teeth. These things probably eat birds. <laughs> they climb a decent amount. That's like the one snake I really wanted to see when I was in South America. Of course, like I didn't. Man. I would love I to spent, see a Brazilian rainbow in the wild. I spent six weeks in South America and I saw two snakes. That would suck. You saw a lot of other stuff, though. A lot Lots of, mosqui- of other stuff. A lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, my God. The mosquitoes killed me. Oh, my gosh. And now that makes me not want to go now. Because oh, I do. I want to go fishing. I want to go down go. there. I, I did. Wanna... I went fishing. I did 10 days on a, an eco lodge on I'm the eco lo- Oh, I want to do those. I want to mm-hmm. go catch peacock bass. And I would love, love I to catch a an aeroplima. Snake head. Yes. Really down there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in um, Peru. Oh, yeah. I'd love to catch an arapaima, just a big-ass, bony-headed arapaima. That would be amazing. We, I, like, went swimming. In, I wasn't on the Amazon. I was on a tributary. I was on the Tahoya. Hell no, I'm not getting in water in South America. Well, what the hell is wrong with I you? Went, I went swimming because <laughs> there were river dolphins. Oh, those are like, dangerous. Is, well, it was so cool. They were like, get in, get in the water. And I was like, okay. So I jumped in the water. I've only ever heard <laughs> horror stories of those things. Well, I, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't do it again. But actually, no. I definitely, I definitely would do it again. But they... I had two guides on the boat because it was just me in the water. 
and they're like keeping an eye out for things and i'm just swimming around like doing my thing like, look at this God, stupid fucking american swimming with these things <laughs> yeah that should have been oh, your God, sign it was, it was the next day that we were in the canoe and the canoe's like three inches above the water because it's high water season and they're like oh look at the electric eel and it was like less than a foot from me and i was like cool we're out of the you, water you just keep now. naming things that keeps me out of the water <laughs> it was so cool like, like, electric eels piranhas dolphins no, was, anacondas crocodiles caiman was, like fuck that no no so worth it i would definitely go back i would 100%. definitely go back in the boat <laughs> okay yeah. well i'll give you i'll give you the name of the company i went with they were really fantastic to. and they were like pretty decently priced that's it's amazing. an expensive trip it's just hard to get there it took me it took me 30 hours to get there because i had to fly yay. from I flew from uh, so Buenos Aires to Santiago, Chile, to Lima, Peru, and then to Iquitos, Peru. And that's like, that was like a tiny, tiny, scary plane. And then we took a three-hour <laughs> boat ride. See, but like, it's like fishing. It's the same reason I like fishing saltwater. Because if I go fish freshwater here, right, I'm going to catch a bass. I'm going to catch a bluegill. Like, I know when I, it's, it's a very small amount of things. And it's really what, if I'm fishing for bass, I'm going to catch bass. That's about it. Mm-hmm. But like when I fish saltwater, if I go fishing for redfish, I catch redfish and I get trout. I get ever flounder every now and then. There's so many different things, and that's how the Amazon is. Like you go down there, there's so many things. You, I mean, they all have teeth. Everything has teeth, but mm-hmm. there's so many cool things you catch there. And then, then all the catfish. I love catfish. Yeah, and like like red-tailed catfish. I think are amazing. Do you like yeah. eating them, or are you just like? No, I, I love. I just I don't like. I don't eat fish, but I like. I, I like catfish. I just think they're cool looking fish. They have those and they have the shovel nose, the big shovel nose catfish, mm-hmm. which are awesome. If I went back, I would have to go a different time of year though. Cause I went during high water season. Yeah, and water they're season. coming after you. Do you hear that? Oh yeah. I live <laughs> next to a hospital. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was tough during high water season. Cause we went on one night hike and it took, it was so scary. Cause you know, as much as you're prepared for like the darkness of being in, in the rainforest, like nothing. There's jaguars. To it. Well, it took us two hours to canoe there. And then we had to have, it was just me and one other girl who were the two tourists that they brought. Cause the place I went with, everyone gets their own personal guide. Thank and you. we were the two that wanted to go hiking. So it took two hours to get to a high water spot. And then we had four guides with us looking for fertilance so that we didn't like step on any. That'd be cool. It was, it was crazy. And we didn't see any snakes. <laughs> But it was it was awesome. I did a poison dart frog hike while I was there. Just one, everything was amazing. One thing I learned from watching River Monsters with Jeremy Wade is always go fishing during the dry season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every episode you watch where he goes, it's always the dry season. That mm-hmm. way you can find the fish easier. Yeah, I would definitely go back in the dry season. So, all right, that's that's enough for the fishing gumbo podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Dominique, you talked, you had a couple things on YouTube you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. they're just, just two things. Um, well, the first one's more like a, a shout out than anything else, but just a really good keeper. Ryan Dumas of Rad Reptiles has started a YouTube page where he talks a lot about um, husbandry and his collection and what he does with his animals. He's also a zookeeper at the Cincinnati Zoo in the reptile mm-hmm. department. I look up to him a lot. I think he's a fantastic keeper, and I really enjoy his videos because he has that like level of a biologist, but also works at a zoo, so knows how to like explain it really, really well. Um, 
yeah, I just thought really that cool was guy. really yeah, he's awesome, and his videos are like entertaining and they're not too long. Yeah, I like them. I've I've watched uh, the one we talked about thinning down your collection and all, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. I watched that and then I watched that and then realized I had just seen a snake that he had had in that video for sale on like Morph Market. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, the ant hill pythons. Yes, I just saw I'm those just... <laughs> on Morph Market. I had to go back and double check. Oh, yeah. like, who had those? I was like, oh, that was his. Yeah, I was like, I was like, dang it! Like, I really wanted to see his. Uh, I wanted to see this before I got rid of him, but obviously with COVID and everything, like, we haven't been able to get together. But um, he's a great channel, and he, he's a great guy, and it's a great channel. But the big one that we were talking about before we started it's was insane. the, it's the <laughs> reptiles uncaged YouTube channel. And it's like how to not keep reptiles. I feel like I, I told you this in the beginning. I feel a little bit uncomfortable, like giving too much of my opinion on this topic because I didn't look at it long enough, but essentially it's this gentleman who has a full room dedicated to creating an ecosystem to house multiple species. Would you be stop right really there? Awesome. Said, yeah. You stop there. It sounds great. Yeah. It's awesome. But then he's got the wrong species together. Like from what I gathered from the one video I watched, he's like got, four different continents in there. Yeah. He's and got iguanas, the same chameleons. Thing. He's got red eared sliders. And I was like, Holy crap. Like Leopard really geckos, cool concepts. Uh, green, uh, the green earth snakes. Um, yeah, rough green snakes. Like, rough green snakes. It, I mean, it, it was like bearded dragon on the surface seems awesome, but the video itself of is like very uneasy because they're all babies now, so we just had to wait a couple yeah. years. Yeah, he had these chameleon. Like I said, it was chameleons, green iguanas, bearded dragons, leopard geckos, uh, red eared sliders. Did he really have bearded dragons in there? One of his other videos talked about how he has communal bearded dragons, but I wasn't sure if he has two setups. Like, I think he has a tropical setup and then a desert setup, but the desert setup also has, like, leopard geckos and bearded dragons in the same one. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm all for large communal cages done properly. Like, when you go to a zoo yeah. and they have a mm-hmm. big aquarium section with fish and they have, like, caiman lizards sitting above them. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, every now and then they'll have that or they'll have like a uh, fish and then they'll have green trees or emeralds up on mm-hmm. a branch and like mm-hmm. red footed tortoises on the bottom. That stuff's great. But this is insane. It was, it, it was but just it like is very, really pretty. It's very it pretty, but it seems like a lot of, when I'm making an assumption here, but it seemed like it was a guy who put a lot of money in the aesthetic of it and then didn't have the money left over to get the proper animals to fit it. Well, it seemed like because put, the animals he has are really easy to get. Yeah, it's like he just went, "Hey, oh, I want to get these. I want to get these. I want to get these," and didn't think about should I get these to go with this. Like there was not a planned out uh, animal part of it. It was just look what I can get, and then threw them all into a room together. Mm-hmm. And there might be more that we don't see. Yeah, because the one video was only ten minutes, so that's why like I don't want to make a ton of assumptions. But I'll make from them. what I, <laughs> but from what I watched it it seems like there's going to be some i lost my animals videos in the future <laughs> yeah because yeah. one ate the other my, my green iguana mm-hmm. i thought he was just a vegetarian but i came in and he was eating the snake mm-hmm. yeah yeah you I, said it was, it was only three months old so you're no, aware so i was i was wrong it oh looks okay like, it looks like it's been happening for like three years yeah a while but I think that he had a resurgence in the last couple months. Yeah, he had, to, he had to replace okay. dead animals, probably. <laughs> That's why they're all babies. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the big ones die. But it wasn't in like all the same size iguanas. He had some small ones, no. and then he had some medium-sized iguanas in there. And yeah. then all those chameleons are sitting at the top of the branches like, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, and I, I don't – it was it was interesting because then you get in the whole idea. It's like, okay, well, how are you keeping track of all your animals? Are you free-feeding? Like, how are you making sure everything's getting what it needs? Mm-hmm. It just It just seemed like – a very cool concept like the concept all of us want is to be able to walk into like the rainforest and like a spare bedroom but there's a lot of flaws within it well because i've like i've seen mixed ones with one of the zoos I, the zoo i interned at had huge ass bloods and then i forget what tort like maybe redfoot tortoise no what redfoot it was some sort of tortoise though that walked around mm-hmm. the bottom and that was really cool because the two aren't going to mess with each other mm-hmm. um and so like i love communal cages but just throwing shit together just because you can do it is not good. Yeah, and throwing it all together as babies with the assumption that they'll probably stay small, you know. Yeah, because there were a bunch of iguanas in there. And yeah. you, you, there's going to be multiple males, and that's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that was, that was, on, that was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, so, instead of watching that, go to Ryan Dumas' channel and watch this. Yeah, that's a really good channel. <laughs> a little bit more on par with uh, sustainable keeping. I think that's the way to put it. All right. And then you had some social media things or some other things you talked about uh, TikTok, which, yeah, which so I'm going to show how old I am because uh, I don't watch TikTok. Yeah. We're old. Oh, I just think it's, it's really interesting to see. Um, so TikTok, like the algorithm, the way it works is it picks up the videos that you like Um and starts to curate more videos like that towards you. And it's just been really interesting to see like a rise of TikTok reptile keepers. Um, they are in general more the like basic species, like leopard geckos, ball python, spirited dragons and such. Um, but because it's a platform that's so used by younger people, um, I think it's interesting to see the misinformation that's being spread with some of it. They well, don't want to call a- me... It's just a short period, right? How long? I mean, they're not long videos, so... So they're up to a minute long, but a lot of creators, like for one creator in particular, she's got like a million followers and she was keeping um, some bearded dragons on really improper substrate and like had to post like, oh, my bearded dragon died because of the substrate. And it's like, okay, yes, we told you it would. I mean, I didn't. I don't, I don't actually comment on those things, but... It's really interesting, and then the there's a lot of anthropomorphism going on on the app, and I don't think it's there's not necessarily like a specific topic to talk about. I just think it's really fascinating to see that, especially because it is a media that is so curated towards younger people. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, I volunteer at a local reptile rescue, and there's a 12 year old girl who volunteers there with me. Her name's Macy, and I absolutely love her. And her entire TikTok is proper animal care. But see, that, that won't get the same number of hits. Doesn't get won't. anything. Doesn't get any views. And I hype her up. I'm like, you go, Macy. Like, heck yeah, <laughs> rocking it. And she's like, thanks, Dom. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. Um, but that's just not what gets shared. Like, the one that sticks in my mind the most is a girl who um, posts about her. She's got two ball pythons cohabs and a 40 gallon brooder because they love each other. Oh, that's so adorable. And it's like they also ooh. cuddle with the mice that she gives them that they don't. They cuddle with each other <laughs> um, because they boop each other's snoots. Yeah, it's it's a lot of boop, boop 
and snoots and I don't even like to say that. Um, all it that makes you want to throw up a little just, bit in your mouth. A, yeah, it's just a really interesting platform to watch that. Well, we talk about like on YouTube, uh, those thumbnails that are that just draw people in for the wrong reason. You know, my snake ate mm-hmm. me or almost ate me or whatever it is. But that unfortunately is all TikTok really is. And in only a minute or less video, it is all clickbait. It has to be for you because because yeah. we're in a culture now where information is not important. Being known is important. It's yeah, it's quantity over quality too. And that's a lot of the big YouTube people who do put out that very um eye-catching content are able to do it even more so because there's no background given on TikTok. Like you don't know that this is articulated Python and they're very defensive over their eggs. You just scroll to the next video Man, and I wonder you who see it being launched. Who are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> no I can't one, no I can't think of who would have retix. <laughs> I don't want to be rude. <laughs> oh, I can be rude. Nice. <laughs> I mean, because in all honesty, in all honesty, you're talking about two people. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out which two people, which would yeah. drive like all that. It, it, it's just, it's just really interesting because it's, you know, you want to promote good content. And like, for example, I've got a really good friend and he and his fiance, um, they keep bald pythons and they have really cool breeding projects going on in their TikTok can be reptiles gets like like they have a couple hundred followers but there's no traction there but they're showing off cool animals doing what they normally do which is like sleeping like shedding but that's because you know (laughs) those tiktok people that are getting a million followers they're not getting a million reptile followers they're getting the people that shared a video with someone else because they thought it was funny or it was insane and we're like don't show that to people Mm -hmm. that's who they're getting Mm -hmm. and then those people are the ones that end up voting on whether we should own snakes or not like that's the shit that scares me. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. just, it's another way to get misinformation out there. And I hate misinformation, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's such an interesting platform and to watch it evolve in that direction has been fascinating. I, I just like, can't get my head around like how I could make TikTok interesting about reptiles. I feel like I couldn't. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And I, I, I've put a couple TikToks out there with like good content like i mean i think that's good content but it's like <laughs> but it's not, not, not education it's not education you don't have time for education you just have time to show off so right. like the videos i've put on tiktok with my animals have been like i had a uh, i had a leopard gecko that i was rehabbing a few months ago and he had to eat a liquid diet and he like put his whole face in the bowl and like came out like covered in that <laughs> liquid diet and like that got like 7,000 likes and it's like, what the heck when that's, that's nothing. It's just, it's purely entertainment. Well, I'm like, TikTok is honestly just a, a revamp of, and you're way too young for this, but Vine. Do you remember that April? Too young for Vine. Yeah. Are you not? Like it's, no. it's, 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 it's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> I'm not 14. Well, I mean, the, the biggest difference with Vine and TikTok is tiktok's algorithm from like a technical perspective because it is so curated to what you want to watch so james you and i could go on tiktok together and never see the same video unless i sent you a video that you then liked and tiktok picked up on that content that you liked yeah and i don't know i just i'm i feel like eric burke where i'm like get off my lawn kids (laughs) it's just it's so much 
And the problem is it's a minute or less. And I, and I teach kids, teenagers and, mm-hmm. and I'm guilty of it too. You know, if you're watching a YouTube video and you see it as a 30 minute YouTube video and you see a 10 minute YouTube video, you're more likely to watch the 10 minute YouTube video. Yeah. It's like you sending over the easy article instead yeah. of the scientific one. Exactly. And so with a minute or less TikTok, people are going to watch that way more than they're going to watch. If you had a five minute YouTube video that was way better explaining it, whatever it was, they'd mother, much rather watch just the snake striking at the food. than you explain the whole process of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then that gets shared with some music behind it and it becomes a completely different thing than what it originally was. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Speaking of sharing your next thing uh, was interesting and got a lot of <laughs> shares. Oh my God. So this is like a local thing to Cincinnati. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, you probably saw it. But I thought thought this is just interesting. So like I've mentioned, I work for a reptile rescue. And with that, I was the intake coordinator, but now I'm the adoption coordinator. But I am the local contact for the SPCA in Cincinnati whenever there's a reptile-related issue. So I got a call on like a Thursday night from the SPCA and they're like, there's a 12 foot boa constrictor loose in a park. <laughs> and my first, my first question is always, please, do you have a video or a picture? And they're like, yeah, we got it. And so they send me the video. I, I look at it and I'm like, that's a rat snake. And then I send it to four more people and everyone's like, yeah, that's a rat snake. And so I confidently text them back and I'm like, Hey, that's a rat snake. Like that's a native species. Don't worry about it. But it's probably like a six-foot rat snake, not a 12-foot yeah, I mean, boa. It was a big rat snake. It was snake. big. Like, I won't get, like, it was big, but it yeah. wasn't insane. Um, but then I wake up the next morning, and on top of being like adoption coordinator, I also manage our social media. And I'm like sitting at my at-home work office, and my phone starts blowing up because we keep getting tagged. And it's this woman who has posted the video on Facebook, and she's like, the rescue didn't do anything. The SPCA didn't do anything. There is a boa constrictor loose in Cincinnati. And so I hop on. I'm like, hey, we talked to the phone last night. This is not a boa constrictor. And that went on for like eight hours of the day. I'm not even joking. It started at like 9 a.m. Just like and back she, and forth? Just like, oh, thank you for letting me know. She saw a video on TikTok and she knows what a boa constrictor <laughs> is. Well, the best, like, the best part, I'll give you the highlights. The highlights include her commenting be like thank you for letting me know like i appreciate it i'll change the post and then actually i asked a veterinarian and they say it's not a rat snake so i'm changing it back to being a boa constrictor because vets know everything about snakes all of that exactly so i contact a few of my friends including ryan dumas and i said hey can you take a look at this video can you comment on my post and just let me know like if you think i'm right because i knew i was right and I wanted to prove it. Um, <laughs> and everyone is like, yeah, that's a boa constrictor. And that's not a boa constrictor. They're like, yeah, that's a rat snake, not a boa constrictor. No harm. Including Ryan Dumas. So I'm like, cool. Cincinnati Zoo has weighed in. Well, then the mother of the woman who posted this boa constrictor video comments and is like, we're actually waiting for the snake experts to get back to us. And I was like, I'm the snake expert. You called my rescue. <laughs> that's our job and she's like well we're gonna call the cincinnati zoo and ryan like, hey <laughs> like i'm the cincinnati well then it just got so escalated that the news ends up calling me oh the my news. gosh 
and they run a news story about I'm looking, this, the, I'm looking at the picture now <laughs> they run a news story about how it is a rat snake and the woman as soon as they post it saying it's a rat snake she's like thank you so much for letting us know who the fuck do you think they called to tell you it was a rat snake me like <laughs> it took getting to the news before she finally agreed that it was a rat snake and it was just such a good example of how this can get blown so out of proportion because like right before we joined it had 535 shares, 520 comments, and 35,000 views. It literally looks nothing like a boa constrictor. Nothing. Nothing. As, boa constrictor. as someone who owns boas, I'm like, not even, not even in the ballpark, other than it has no yeah. legs. It has no legs. That's <laughs> and I can understand how it's like freaky if you're not a snake person to see a, a big snake in the woods, but you're hiking in the woods. Yeah, there's snakes a, there. Like I don't know what to tell you. Let her come down here and find the like seven and eight foot Texas rat snakes we have down here. It was it was just the whole situation was so insane to me, and it was it just absolutely blew my mind the pure like ignorance that people were so willing to have until the news called them. Well, it goes back to we talked about it last week on our podcast with everybody else that when someone goes onto Facebook and asks a question, they're not asking a question for finding information, finding out they're asking to be, to get someone to say the same thing they already think. That's what they yeah. want. And, and that's like, and I, I listened to that episode and I thought about that too in relation to this and I get it. But the only reason I got involved is because they were tarnishing the, like the name of the rescue I work with. And I, get, you know? I fully get that. Yeah. And I was like, you can't bring us in saying we didn't do anything when I literally like I've got the receipts of like saying I called you back last night at this time telling you what it was and like you are making the decision to ignore me and it was just it the comments saying well we're waiting for the snake experts to tell us like what like what snake expert besides the rescue that does rehab for local wildlife the entire situation was just so absolutely bonkers I felt the need to share it (laughs) <laughs> yeah i uh, that's so for a short period i worked at PetSmart, and that's how i felt when i was there people would come in and i'd give them animal advice but because i work at PetSmart, i don't know shit and i'm like no no no, no. this is just where i work now you have no idea of my background when i tell mm-hmm. you you can't put a fucking goldfish in a bowl mm-hmm. i'm not making that shit up mm-hmm. or like, and that's like the that's the two ends of the spectrum where it's like oh either you don't know anything or someone's on a trip to like western texas and they send me a picture of a lizard and they're like do you know what this is and i'm like no like i don't i don't know everything like yeah. it's the one or the other oh uh, see that was I, I watched the video i'm like that's that's insane i can definitely see where it, snake. It, oh it's a bit it's a big rat snake but it's it's so obvious it's not a boa but i get to anybody else that that's just like i mean anybody sees a snake in the water it's a cotton mouth yeah it's, yeah, it's automatically true. cotton mouth yeah mm-hmm. like water snake exists there's way more water snakes than cotton mouths <laughs> like like but it fell out of a tree then it's 100 percent not a cotton mouth yeah <laughs> their, their fat ass didn't climb up in that tree yeah. <laughs> but no my grandpa said he got chased by a cotton mouth from a tree i'm like no no he didn't stop well i had the first experience this time where someone sent me a message and said is this a copperhead and it actually was Cause I get that message all the time and it's usually like a, a garter snake or something. 
And so I, I get, is this a copperhead? And I like open it up and I'm like, holy shit, you found one. <laughs> Good job. Well, Buy a lottery ticket. I haven't been able to find one. Down here during baby season, you'll get people that'll post pictures of baby wa- uh, water moccasins and someone will go, cotton mouth. And they'll get people go, what is this? And someone will say it's cotton mouth. And the very next one, uh-uh, it's a copperhead. N- no, it's a baby Definitely cotton. Not. Like, I, I get that they're both similar colors as babies. But mm-hmm. they don't look the same in the pattern. Like, it's not the same snake. Shut up. Yeah. So. And I know you talked about this last week and you talked about it all the time. But the people who just come in and answer a question and you're like, oh, my God. Like, someone did this in one of the groups in the other day. And it was like who a species. Are you? <laughs> it was a species-specific group. Well, and I will say, I answer questions on Facebook pages if I've had the same situation. Like, that's the only time I feel like I can be like, yeah, like, listen, I had to soak my snake. This is what I did for my whatever. But someone, like, said, well, that's not an appropriate size tank for that. And someone else comments and goes, how many of these do you have? And he said, zero. What? Like, you don't don't have any of these animals and you're just telling people that's not appropriate? And it was, like, a two-by-two cube for a green tree python, which is commonly known as, like, the standard for male green tree pythons. Well, I was, saw a group this week where a guy posted, uh, my snake got bit by by a rat or a mouse or whatever. Uh, what should I do? And the very the reply was, uh, you should probably talk to a vet. Also, maybe try feeding it frozen. And the very next answer, not even from the person that originally posted it, and the very next answer was, that's not what he asked. I'm like, that's 100% what he asked. He said, what, what should I do? Mm-hmm. talking to a vet is the proper response. Now, if you want to give other medical advice, feel free. But I, I put it on there. I said, Facebook is not the place to go looking for medical advice, mm-hmm. you know, but feel free to accept anybody's medical advice. But if someone tells you to go to a vet, that is the proper answer in that situation. It's just may not be the answer you wanted. Yeah. That doesn't make it the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. So it's insane. Uh, and then I was looking, Oh, your next thing about the two head crusties. Yeah, this was just really cool. So Rockstar Geckos uh, hatched out a two-headed crested gecko in June, like June 14th. And it just passed away on August 6th uh, or thereabouts. Um, But it lived for two months almost. And it like ate fine and like went to the bathroom fine. It was just really small and they just don't think it thrived. But it was like legitimately a two-headed crested gecko. Both mouths ate, both mouths bit. I'll uh, I'll send it to you on Instagram. I see. It, it was that just is, it was a weird little dude. Like it went all the way down to the neck. So you got the crest on both, like the little yeah, eyelash you have, things, it's and full heads. And it was, you know, pretty like crazy when it hatched out. And they were like, "Yeah, it probably won't live very long." And then it ate the first time. They're like, "Okay, it ate." Um, but there's like a picture of it, and it's just like both mouths are open and ready to bite. It was just the coolest little thing, <laughs> and it's a shame to see it passed, but. Um, it was really cool that it lived as long as it did. Oh, yeah, there's a little video here of one of them eating while the other one's just hanging out. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Very American horror story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we talked about the female herpers and keepers Facebook group, which mm-hmm. is awesome. That's great. I'm glad that you said you're up to, uh, what, 300 members or more than that now? We're right. I, I think we're right at 300. Maybe That's just awesome. like a little bit below. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, fingers crossed, we're trying to get more members. We are going to come out with... Um, a t-shirt to benefit us arc about uh for the group as well so feel free to join for a t-shirt and feel free to support if you're a male keeper and you know people who would be interested in the group we're always looking to expand and we're always looking for ways to improve as well so feel free to give me any feedback april you should shoot tracy barker a message she wants to join okay 
that would be cool. I don't know how much she does on Facebook anymore. I don't think she really does, actually. Because she's she's the old she's an old school person, so. And she's super busy actually taking care of snakes. Yeah, actually, like figuring out <laughs> stuff, all the stuff that we think is yeah. really cool. She's figuring it out for us. <laughs> she knows how to pronounce all the names that we just skip over. Yeah, yeah. yeah she 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 literally wrote the book, so. <laughs> or should I say she literally wrote the books? Yeah, I'm waiting for that next one. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, yeah, your blood book is coming. Yeah, I haven't taken them yet though. You gotta get pictures and get them to her. Well, she she was in shed. I literally text Tracy. I'm like, so I went to get the picture, and she's in shed. I'm like, I'll get it to you the second she gets out of shed. She's like, okay. Always. Oh my gosh. Snakes are always in shed. We need to show them. I was like, no. And I, I sold the other two, so I was like, well, it's all I got. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that book to come out. Speaking of all I got, that's that, that's all we got. That's all we got? <laughs> what? We went through a lot of stuff, man. We did go through a lot of stuff. That was I'm crazy. Italian. I can talk a lot. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. We like it. We like it. Mm-hmm. Well, since it's that time of the episode, Dominique, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? For more conversation or whatnot. Um, I'm DeFalco Reptiles on Instagram. Um, You can add me on my personal account as well um, on Facebook, Dominique DeFalco. Um, I accept almost everyone. Um, And then I just want to say thank you so much, James and April, for having me. It was really a pleasure, and I appreciate the chance to promote my platform and then also the Female Herpers group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I told April a while back that I wanted to have you on. Like I said earlier, the problem was as soon as I was like, we need to have her on. Joe had you on his podcast. I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to wait a little while before we have her on. That seems to happen. I've had about like three people in mind, and every time I'm like, you know what, we should, and then someone else has them on their podcast. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're not going to have them on right now. <laughs> I'm just thrilled anyone wants to listen to me talk besides my cat. So it really means <laughs> a lot to me. <laughs> no, I've, I've, Absolutely, we'd love to have you again. That's a good, good it show. Is, it's really like the whole reason, one of the big things behind this whole show was to hear from people that are not seasoned veterans in the hobby. Like there's plenty of those out there, but to hear from other people, like listening to you on Joe's podcast, talking about going to your first show and you're like, I'm going to get a corn snake or whatever. And then you've got a green tree. <laughs> like that's, that jump was a big jump. And, but you had mm-hmm. already researched it, which is another thing. Most people don't research the snake before they buy it at a reptile show. Like, oh yeah. No, I'm, I Hey, you saw the notes I took for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so like most people no are like kidding. i just want that green snake that i saw at the show i saw a picture of, i saw a video of it on tiktok and i'm gonna get me one <laughs> so or this looks cool or whatever it might be yeah i mean i'm that person i'm, I'm staring at my rainbow bow that that was that purchase it's pretty it's got rainbow colors in the light and and he That's hadn't died so. too <laughs> i've got a list of animals that i'm like we're just gonna keep adding because i'm hoping to eventually find a full-time job that can sustain this hobby so, well, so there's no, hiring. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a full-time job that can sustain the hobby at all. You're always going to yeah. be poor. That's. I should start promoting my LinkedIn with my Instagram as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's. <funny. laughs> so, April. Yes, you can find me at Designer Exotics on Instagram and YouTube. It is Designer underscore 
exotics on Instagram. Don't be confused with the other person who has the same name as me. Forget them. They're not important. Can't even believe that. <laughs> not that I'm still offended and upset by it. Bastards. <laughs> uh, or you can find us at uh, designerexotics.net. I am April Justine on Facebook if you care to add me. But if you do add me on Facebook, like send me a message so I know who you are or where you want- found me or where you know me. So it does want to allow me. I-, I have people all the time trying to get me to add them on Facebook and I apologize now I don't add a lot of people on Facebook uh, being a teacher I'm like I add very few people here or there and so I always get these people like that heard me on a podcast or saw me on this or that and like I want to be this friend I'm like I'm not ignoring you because I'm a jerk well, I am a jerk but that's not why I'm ignoring you I, I just I don't I don't tend to add random people no offense I'll let I'll add people they add me and I'll accept it and then I do a quick scan and it's very frequently an immediate unfriend I just want to get get an idea it's like do you like me for my snakes or do you like you like me for other things so well that's the difference is they're not liking me because I'm a chick that's not like I feel like for you guys you tend to get way more people wanting to be your friend not because of they want to have in-depth reptile conversations with you It's unfortunately because you're female and there's other thoughts there. Mm-hmm. So that's one I, I imagine the great thing about y'all's group is that you don't get that. There's a, there's a group I'm in, a tortoise group I'm in where the guy that actually runs the group just basically like creepily hits on every female on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, cool. And it's like, like it's really weird. And like what, what really gets weird is when some of the people in there take up for them, like it's okay. And I mean, I've seen some of the private, like some people will post the private messages because he'll private message people. I'm like, that's creepy, dude. And he's like this older dude. He's married and he's like hitting on these young chicks whenever they join the group. I don't know. It's just it happens. Weird. It happens more than you think, which is why it's really nice to have a space that is like totally free of that. Yeah, I can imagine. Like that's, I mean, I say I, I don't, I don't get, I mean, if anybody out there wants to hit on me, feel free. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. I'm just saying, don't expect a response. So, if you want to get a hold of me or hit on me, uh, it is simply underscore serpents on Instagram or simply serpents on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, it is the reptile gumbo podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at gmail.com. Uh, I also want to thank our sponsors again, Lone Star Reptile Racks and Herps Reptile Shows. Both of them are great. Please go out and support them. They're great small businesses, wonderful. Uh, Dominique, thanks a ton for being on here. We definitely have to have you back on at some point. Thank you so much. And uh, that's it for me. Have a great night, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye.